All right, so you want me to talk about the best? Hello, patrons. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the best. What's up, patrons? No, we were just having a conversation before uh, we started recording this about the best. So we're talking about, what's our title? Consumer regrets. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about consumer regrets. And I'm like, a lot of the times I regret things is when I go and purchase it and I'm like, oh, there's a better version of this. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit uh, with the specifics. But I thought, wouldn't it be great to go to a store? It was just called like the best and when you went there, no matter what you got, a pair of pliers, a tanning bed, I don't know, <laughs> whatever, hair products, yes. it was just the best. You, you didn't have to like shop around. They just carried one of something uh-huh. and they carried it because it was the best. But then I got to thinking how uh, anytime we use the word the best, you're right. It's 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 through our lens. It's the best through, for me. Yeah, it's the best for me. So it would be impossible to have a store like that because... Uh, yeah, we have different preferences. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because I always hear, I always laugh at these arguments. Yaman, is he still watching uh, on the live stream right now? <laughs> um, the you know, I, I always hear like the top five MC lists, and it's like mm. Jay Z, Biggie, Nas, Tupac, whatever, right? And it's like, like, and, and then I hear people say, "Well, it's not necessarily my favorite people. These are just the best. Like the best according to what? According right. to now, if you have some objective metric, then it's like Nelly, Eminem, Vanilla Ice, like mm-hmm. MC Hammer. Yeah, these are and maybe Jay Z. I don't know what the the list is of best sales. That yes, there's got to be a metric to go off of Drake, something tangible." To like right. look at and say, here's yeah, top five best selling artists, but that doesn't necessarily make them the best. In fact, it generally means they're not the the they're gonna be your favorite. Right. Um, and so when we say best, what we really mean is favorite. The the irony yeah. of what you're talking about is that store exists, Ryan. Mm. It's called Amazon. Mm. Because they, they have reviews and you can say, here's the best rated product. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's the that's the whole beauty of the su- success but of ratings Amazon. Ratings can be bought. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm not. And so I'm so. I mean, the the, the best store. I'm sure it, it would also be, um, uh, impregnated by bias. Mm. Oh, that's a good title. That's not gonna be the title of this, <laughs> but by something else. Yeah. Yeah. I want the title of this to be "Never Buy That Again." Yeah. Because that that's really the what regret teaches us. Mm-hmm. Regret teaches me never buy that again. I want to go beyond just mere consumer regret. We talked about that in the minimal episode, but I do want to talk about the paradox of choice because what you're talking about here, Ryan, mm-hmm. is the paradox of choice. The what, what you're experiencing is I want them to eliminate my choices. Mm-hmm. So like, I just know that I'm getting the best thing. Right. And the truth is you don't even care that it's the best. Mm-hmm. You just want it to not be the thing that you don't want. Yeah. You want it to be useful to you. Mm-hmm. You want it to not break. You want it to work well. You want it to be affordable. And that's ideally what a rating system does. Now, mm-hmm. Amazon isn't the be- isn't the, the first company to do rating systems, right. but they're the ones who really capitalize on it. And a lot of other places really miss the mark on this, right? Like Better Business Bureau could have been the equivalent of this. the ratings. Yeah, they could yeah. have been Yelp. They could have been Google reviews. They could have been Amazon reviews all mixed into one because they already had the cachet for it. Right, right. right. But they blew that opportunity. And so other companies come along and they provide that that rating service. And then, of course, they get tainted. Yelp got tainted. I'll never use Yelp again. Oh, my gosh. Our coffee shop, they tried to extort us. Yeah. Hey, like if thousands you want, of dollars a month. $4,000 a month if you want good reviews. Yeah. Hey, you've got a lot of good. Hey, we noticed you have a lot of good reviews on your account. 
It was like a, it'd they, be they, a shame if those got hidden and only the bad ones showed up. And hey, your windows got smashed. <laughs> accidents happen all the time. That's what it felt like, man. It really man. did, man. It uh, felt like a mafia shakedown. Brutal. Yeah, it's funny because uh, when Colin was on the road with us, um, you know, like one of the first times we often went to Yelp mm-hmm. and we would look up uh, like hipster coffee. Yeah, 2012. And it was funny because what it did is that actually pulled up the negative reviews. Yes. This is just a bunch of hipsters in these places. I'm like, oh, that's the coffee shop we want to go to. That's the pro tip. That's that that's the coffee hack. Yeah. You want the ones that have the one star reviews are like, this place is so yeah. snobby. And I asked for a caramel macchiato and they gave me their version of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They said they only had black coffee. Yeah, that's the one I want. Right, exactly. So uh, but I remember calling getting on us about using Yelp. He's like, dude, they are horrible. They extort you. And he told us a story about uh, a girl that he was dating. And it was the same exact thing. And then it ended up happening to us two or three years later. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. what Colin was talking about. Yeah. I thought maybe he was exaggerating. Me too. Yeah. But turns out he wasn't. In fact, he was underselling it. Right. It, they were worse. Now, maybe mm. they've gotten their stuff together. And I don't know. I haven't gone back and used them since. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a funny story of reviews. So we, whenever we go out on tour, we, we make sure that a hotel that we stay in has 4.3 stars on Google or better. Right. Well, we went to Australia <laughs> and Sean accidentally, poor podcast Sean, he, when he communicated with them. With he, our tour manager. The tour manager yeah. out in Australia because we use a, a promotional company to, to help with the tour mm-hmm. um, because Live Nation and and uh, WME isn't out there. So we partner with the, the Australian equivalent mm-hmm. while we're out there. And uh, when Sean communicated this to them, they thought he meant four-star hotels are better. Right. So we're like staying in these crazy nice hotels. Yeah, like four seasons. And yeah. I'm, and it's like me and you, we have separate rooms. Sean and Jess have rooms. And like, so we're paying for four or five rooms a night. Yeah. they're And they're really nice rooms. Like, and these yeah. ele- the nicest hotels I've ever been in. Yeah, 100%. Every night. Yes. For several weeks in Australia. And it's like, well, who's... Wait, well, are these the only hotels they have? And then you realize across the street, there's a Hampton Garden Inn, which is where we'd usually stay. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, there was clearly a miscommunication here. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't until like the third or fourth or whatever, second or third one, where I'm like, Simon, what is going on, man? And then it came out. He was like, well, well, mate. Sean told me that you didn't want to do anything below four stars. And I'm like, on Google, man. On yeah. Google. He was, right. like, he was like, well, it's too late for that. Right. <laughs> and so I think the lesson that we learned from that, because that's certainly a regret in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I regret not communicating more effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Often direct communication, specific communication, making sure we're speaking the same language. It stops the regret before it starts. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you kill the regret, how you let go of the regret by not bringing it in in the first place. Because had we communicated more effectively, hey, we prefer, at the time, it was more than four stars. Now we, we've learned that it's 4.3 4. 3 is, yeah, the, is true. the key. You get 4.1 sometimes. Yeah. Oh. I think it's because you can you can buy reviews. Yes. I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I rem- yeah, there's been a couple where... I remember that. I'm like, God, this on the stars say it should be okay, mm-hmm. but it sure does smell funny in here. But I, <laughs> but these bu- bed bug bites hurt. <laughs> oh, man! Luckily, we have not 
come across that. You did once. Well, kind of. Twenty? No, not kind of. Twenty eleven. Well, I we mean, stayed in a hostel. Oh, yes. Okay. One hundred percent. Yes. I got bit by bed bugs, but it uh, it wasn't. We got lucky in, in the fact that we haven't brought it anywhere with us. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's true. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, we stayed in the same hostel in the same room. You got them. I didn't. Yeah. And they bit your back up, man. You look yeah. like connect the dots. Yeah. It was hot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's talk. So the paradox of choice, Ryan. (sighs) We're talking about the store that has the best. The reason you couldn't do that is the exact reason we just illustrated with that example of Australia. Mm -hmm. Because we were staying in the best hotels. Mm Mm-hmm. But they weren't the best for us. Now, why weren't they the best? Because they were too expensive. Mm. And so best is perspectival in that way as well. Yes. In the sense that, well, best for me also means that it's affordable. Mm -hmm. Because $600 a night for a hotel room instantly makes it not the best for me. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And so like there's this weird sweet spot where you're like, okay, there's a $180 hotel room. Yeah. That is... 10 times better than the $90 hotel room. Man. But but the $400 hotel room isn't 10 times better than the $180 hotel room for me. Right. Makes me think about when we were on... Uh, when, what was that? It wasn't Good Morning America. It was when we, they flew us out to... Like one of the first national things we did. They flew us out to New York. CBS this morning. Yeah, CBS this morning. 2012. And they styled, 2011. They styled us, man. Like, you know, you get off the airplane, you got someone there with your name. Yes. Uh, it was like... Yeah, it was like, you know, a black SUV. They dropped us off at a really nice hotel. Like it was overlooking like a uh, 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 park. Uh, par- no, what? Uh, oh my God. Central Park. I wanted to say yeah. Park Square. I'm like, but that's not it. Anyway, it's over like in Central Park. Beautiful freaking room. And they were even like, hey, look, like we know that you guys uh, probably maybe you want to stay a couple extra days in New York. Um, just go down to the front and you'll get our special discount. It's like a 35% discount on the room. You guys can stay as long as you want. And I went down there and with the discount, it was like $500. I'm like, oh, I just I just like called up a friend, slept on their couch for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and that was better for me. Yes, that was the best right. option for you. Yeah. The, the problem with hotels or anything else is we run into this paradox of choice where we see all these reviews and they're all 4.2, 4.3, 4.4 stars, whatever. And then you're like, oh, no. Mm. How do I choose between these 14 different hotels? Yeah. How do I choose between these 14 different cars? How do I choose between these 14 different jackets or 14 different pairs of pants? This is called the paradox of choice. Mm. The paradox of choice, we'll call this the more about less segment, although I got something else to read to you as well. Mm. So let's read some more about less. Paradox of Choice is a theory by American psychologist Barry Schwartz claiming that after a certain threshold is reached, an increase in the number of choices will cause a significant amount of psychological distress. Mm. This distress, according to Professor Schwartz, can manifest itself in many ways. One way is through buyer's remorse. The theory states that buyer's remorse is created through increasing opportunity costs associated with increased choices. Opportunity costs associated with alternative choices compound and create strong feelings of dissonance and remorse. As the number of choices increase, it is easier to imagine a different choice that may have been better than the one selected. Mm. This is the danger of the paradox of choice. Where and it, by the way, we see it most pronounced now where social media and online dating apps. Mm-hmm. The reason it's harder to get into a relationship now is you have functionally infinite choices, and so the problem with that is yes, there's always someone who's 
perceived to be better. And there always will be someone who's better in some way. Mm-hmm. Like if you prefer taller women, Ryan, there's gonna, you're going to find someone taller than Mariah. Right. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that she's better comprehensively. Right. Mm. And and better in in the sense of of dating someone now we start to commodify the human it mm. removes love from the equation altogether it removes compassion empathy understanding respect when we say oh i could find someone better than you that's functionally what we're doing when it's swipe right swipe left swipe right swipe right swipe left swipe left yeah. we are facing the paradox of choice yeah. and these dating apps are quite often making people miserable because it's true Quite often, there is something better out sure. there. Always. But you always have to select. Even not making a decision is a decision. Mm-hmm. So you make a decision or your indecision becomes your decision. Mm-hmm. And then either way, you're still faced with that. Oh, but there must be something better out Dude, there. It makes me think about when I was married, we were redoing our kitchen. <clears throat> and uh, we had to look at like these these books with countertop samples or you know patterns or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you have to choose. Like, I can't choose. I was like, give me your top three favorite. But like all those samples of countertops, after a while, it was like, yeah, it's it's the paradox of choice. It becomes, uh, and that's why we we seek out good, better, best options, basically. Right. We tend to do this, even like with our Patreon supporters, yeah. we, have, we have four tiers there because we added a new one, mm-hmm. but we try to avoid the paradox of choice. By the way, I, I've been really enjoying this last month or so. Um, if you are one of our VIP supporters, I'm not encouraging you to become one, but we, we've been doing some of these videos where we do some sort of celebration, some birthday video. Hey, Josh and Ryan, can you make a birthday video for my husband, for my roommate, for my mother, for my friend? And just saying, hey, thank you so much. Whatever. Give us a message. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Cameo, so we don't charge you anything for it if you're one of our VIP right. supporters. So you can just DM us on Patreon specifically, mm-hmm. and we will make a video. We'll send it over to you, whatever special occasion that you have. Uh, while we're speaking of that, by the way, if you're one of the, the true fans or the VIPs on Patreon, all of our Love People Use Things events are becoming available. One a month, every single month we're releasing for you. Yeah, And uh, we just released that New York one with Seth Godin and T.K. Coleman. And it was the most magical evening. When you watched it, was it better than you remembered? It was, yes. Or equal to. Uh, yeah. Well, because you know, sometimes like you look, hindsight was something like, oh, that was amazing. And then like you look at it and you're like, uh, maybe that wasn't so amazing. It's almost always the opposite for me, but I understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. There have been a few times where that's happened. Right. But usually it's like, oh, I didn't. Like I remember I was really off because I was sick when... Um, Aaron Alexander was in here, episode oh, three thirty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went back and listened to it. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty great. Yeah, I yeah, you're right. I do see because I remember when you were actually sick and I had to host the, the DC event. Uh huh. And uh, so it was me and TK and Canyon City. Uh, uh, Paul, what's his last name? Uh, Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't and, TK though. It was uh, Cal Newport. Oh my goodness, it was Cal Newport. You know what? I just have TK on the brain because at this point he's just like the third minimalist. Yeah, <laughs> he's always with us. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, thank God those two guys were there to help me pick up the slack. But I remember like finishing that. I'm like, God, that was awful. And then I like I listened to a bit of it. I'm like, Ah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, you can go back and listen to that as well. All of our live events. Just go to Patreon.com/slash/the-minimalist and click on live events. You can listen to the audio. 
or you can check out the video version if you'd prefer uh, whichever one works for you. Not all of them had video. Back then, we didn't have video yeah, in 2017. That was audio yeah. only, but you can listen to that one. But yeah, Paul plays some uh, songs on there. It's beautiful. It's, uh, that's worth listening to on its own. I agree. So, uh, Ryan, I got another more about less segment for you here. Okay. This is an article from Raptitude, and it is called Everything Must Be Paid For Twice. Mm. We'll use this as a jump off point for a discussion. One financial lesson they should teach in school is that most of the things we buy have to be paid for twice. There's the first price, usually paid in dollars, just to gain possession of the desired thing. Whatever it is, a book, a budgeting app, a unicycle, a bundle of kale. But then, in order to make use of the thing, you must also pay a second price. This is the effort and initiative required to gain its benefits. And it can be much higher than the first price. So we'll put a link to the whole article. You can read the whole thing Mm. if you'd like. Mm. But... I think this is an important point. Let's say you buy a Bowflex system at home. Yes. But then you actually have to use the thing to get the benefits from it. Mm. It doesn't give you the muscles. It does not upload the perfect body with uh, 7% body fat. Or I yeah. don't know what the perfect body fat is. But yeah. um, it, it doesn't do that for you. Right. You paid the price. And yet you're going to keep paying the price if you don't realize how much you're going to continue to cost yeah. after the fact. Well, you know, it's interesting because the, you know, you got to pay for everything twice. It makes a good title, but it's so much, it's so many more times than twice. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about a boat. Uh, you know, my dad, Oof. yeah, he, he used to call it, you know, bring out another thousand. Yeah. That's the acronym. Just, yeah. There's just so much maintenance. You got to store it. Yeah. You got to fix it. You got to keep it running. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine like these mega yachts. I guess if you're a billionaire, it doesn't matter. But like I was, I was looking at um this was a while back when MTV did something besides Teen Mom and uh ridiculousness. <laughs> Those are like the only two shows on that channel now. Anyway, um uh it was talking about Steve Wykowski. Who, who was who's the um the other Apple guy? Yeah, uh, Wykowski, right? Yeah, Wykowski. He he what's Wozniak, that? Yeah. Wozniak. Thank you very much, Jordan Wozniak. Um, but he had this like uh half a billion dollar yacht or something. It was one of the biggest yachts in the world. And just the upkeep on it alone was like 2.5 million a year, which when you have that kind of money, I understand like that's not a lot of money to you. But yeah, how many schools could that provide uh, with Dave Ramsey curriculum? Yeah, Yeah. what a great point. I mean, so that so you have the opportunity cost as well, which also creates Mm. regret. Oh, yeah. So what you're saying is, let's say I have twenty five hundred dollars. Mm hmm. Now, I could buy a $2,500 pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Those certainly exist, Mm -hmm. right? Go to Preachers and Sneakers. You can see them on every famous pastor. Um, And you are spending $2,500 on sneakers. That's not immoral. It's not wrong. But you might feel regret when you're like, oh, but I would have rather donated $2,500 to provide the curriculum for 100 students for this Ramsey thing. By the way, if you're interested in that, patrons, we could really use your help. Uh, we are partnering with Ramsey Education to bring financial literacy to every high school and middle school student in Dayton, Ohio. It's theminimalists.com slash education. You can find all the details there. You can find our progress bar to see how close we are to our goal. $40,000 mm-hmm. is our goal. 
You can also find all of the commonly asked questions over there as well. On the minimal episode, I read an essay about it called This Is uh, This This Much Debt Is Gross. And that number is $97,775. That's the average indebted American household has $97,000, nearly $100,000 of non-mortgage debt. I got to find a way to add that to my talk. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, and so the, there's three, the three things that go into that number. And it's taught in Ramsey's curriculum. Mm. Uh, the student loans, credit card debt, automobile debt. Mm-hmm. Those three things together. $97,775. And what they're doing is they're bringing curriculum to students is actually interesting. It's not just a boring textbook. Here's your calculus textbook. Good mm-hmm. luck. No, it's videos that are engaging. And these are, this is something that kids care about is money, especially teenage kids. Yeah. They're actually interested in money. I would have salivated to have yeah. access. I just didn't know. And it set me up for a life of pain for a long time, <sighs> mired in a mess of debt and discontent. And it led to a lot of stress. I was borrowing from my future. I was not knowing when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, 25 years old, I was punishing my future self for a moment of pleasure right now. And I got the Mm. thing and it didn't even give me the pleasure I thought it was going to give me most of the time. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a huge deal for kids. I couldn't imagine that. I wonder what the what the college debt or the education debt was like in the eighties versus in the nineties versus the yachts versus the tens. I mean, I would imagine like, like it probably went up by a thousand percent between the eighties and the yachts. Yeah. The curve is parabolic. When, when, yeah. As soon as we introduce credit cards, I mean, and you go back even farther than that. So go back 1950. Yeah. The fifties is when they invented the 30 year mortgage. So before mm-hmm. then it didn't exist. Wow. There was no such thing as a 30-year mortgage. It didn't actually proliferate until the 60s, 70s. It took off in the 80s. Oh. And so the 30-year mortgage was insane. Like people saw that and they're like, what are you talking about? Why would anyone like you know, you just build a house. Right. Why would you pay for it for the next 30 years? You just buy the materials right. and you pay people to build the house. Right. And and yet the way you could get around it, you could start charging more for houses. Yeah. Because they're going to pay for it for the next 30 years. Dude. We didn't have the ability to pay for houses over a 30 year period. Right. And so uh, who, I mean, imagine if I bought a house right now, age 40, pay it off. Now they're doing 40 year mortgages. What pay it off when I'm 80. Yeah. Okay. And there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with a mortgage this long. Like we're not trying to moralize this. It's just, you know, it's something to consider whenever you're taking out a loan. What's the real cost. Right. Exactly. And like, you know, if I had a 40 year mortgage, I mean, maybe that's going to give me really low low payment. Obviously, interest rates going to be a little bit different, but um, yeah, I would do everything I could to pay it off as early as possible because you want to own the house, right? Now you'll never truly own the house if you live in the United States because you have to pay property taxes. Eventually, they'll take the house from you. That's a different conversation, right? Is this? Communist America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard someone say, "Yeah, but you pay those taxes, so like you can, uh, uh, like it, it, you could just leave it there." Yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's like, so you can have rows, and it's like, but isn't that what the gas tax is for? What's the gas tax yeah. for then? Right. And it's like, I'm all for the consumption taxes. Oh, they make the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. Here's why: because the billionaire you're talking about with uh, what was his name, Steve Wozniak, mm-hmm. if he buys a billion dollar boat, yeah, and he pays a twenty percent consumption tax on it, wonderful. <sighs> yeah. 
And, oh, no, and, and by the way, you know what else that does? A consumption tax, tax does? It incentivizes us to save for our future right. and not spend recklessly on impulse items right now. Yeah, man. So a consumption tax is sort of the minimalist viewpoint on mm-hmm. tax in many ways. Yeah. Now, you could argue about what the percentage is and whether or not it's necessary, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But if we're going, let's just accept that we're going to have some sort of taxes, which by the way, remember when we revolted several hundred years ago because there was a 3% tax as we started throwing tea off of boats? Dude, uh, yeah. I just <laughs> found out like what that tax was for and why that came to America. And I am like, I'm astounded like how the revolution started, man. Uh-huh. So, uh, man, this is a total tangent. But let's do it. Let's go, man. This is the maximal episode, That's right. patrons. So for those who aren't aware, like the 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 tea tax, right? Basically, England fought, I forget what country it was. It was a hundred years. They fought this one hundred year war. And because, you know, England was in control of America. I mean, England was was trying to prevent themselves from being taken over because if they were taken over, it eventually would leak into America. Yeah. So they fought this 100-year war. And then after that was over, they won. They went to the United States and they said, hey, guys, we just got done fighting this 100-year war. You're welcome for, for the protection, but we've got, we've got to pay for it somehow. Mm-hmm. So instead of paying back England for fighting for America, really... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "No, <laughs> we're gonna go, we're gonna be ourselves," which is fine. I mean, you know, I'm glad America is America, and England is England, and it's all a construct, really, if you think about it. And it's kind of silly, but yeah. it just blows my mind that like I, we we make England to be out such you know to be such these bad guys. They really weren't asking anything unreasonable, man. They were asking for three percent, yeah, a- and and it wasn't even like a standard income tax. Or we didn't invent the income tax until 1917. That's that's crazy, and it was a one percent one time tax. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Just a, well, yeah, once every year for a millennia. <laughs> to be really clear, I am all for taxing for goods and services yes, that, yes, pr- that yes, provide yes. for the greater good. I'm not, I'm not Mr. Anti-Tax. I have a big problem with what our money is spent on. So <sighs> ultimately, if you are taxed, whether it's 30% or 40% or whatever, when, with sales tax and everything else, right? Yeah. A lot of that goes to war, and I never had, I never had a say in war mm-hmm. and funding violence. Right. I don't want to fund violence, Mm-mm. which is a nice segue into <laughs> the violence that occurred recently. The smoke is cleared, oh, Ryan. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, I've heard so. Well, by the time this episode actually comes out, it'll definitely be cleared. We don't do current events on the podcast. No, and not so really. Mark this for a YouTube video, Danny Unknown. We do current relevance. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I just don't want to... We're not a news podcast, right? right? right and so yeah. on this Maximal episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock right. at the Oscars. Yes, so we put up a meme on Twitter. Yeah, but let's, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, okay, okay. So obviously everyone who's listening to this knows what happened if you don't then you you can figure that out if you don't then actually yeah don't even figure it out like it's probably better you don't know yes <laughs> and so I was disgusted by this insecurity by this mild violent act it's relatively mild it's still mm-hmm. a violent act but mm-hmm. you know there there are 
there are there's a scale of violence, right? Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the the least violent violent things that you can do. And here's a take I haven't heard because I've heard all the takes so far. Mm-hmm. But it is simultaneously right and wrong. I yes, I feel the same way. And so if you are defending your wife mm-hmm. or your partner or she's defending you mm-hmm. that can be beneficial for your relationship yes it doesn't mean the best way to do it is to in- immediately escalate to extreme violence in front of millions of people or to any vi- violence is extreme in general yeah so imagine if he would have dropped a nuclear bomb on the Oscars. We right. would all say, well, that's absurd. Right. He shouldn't have done that. That's bad. Right. And so that's the most extreme form of violence. Mm-hmm. Slapping someone is probably on the, the low end. And so what we've seen is we've seen people freak out on both sides without adding any sort of nuance here. Yes, him standing up for Jada mm-hmm. is probably beneficial for the relationship. And it's a kind thing to do if she feels as though she needs you to stand up for her because she's a strong, independent woman. I don't know that she needs Will Smith standing up for her at all, especially for a joke. She's a strong woman. Yeah. And and so a strong person. Right. Yeah. And yet Will felt. Well, he felt compelled to take immediate, significant overreaction. Yeah. In that moment. And. What it tells me is that slap had nothing to do with the joke. had 1% to do with the joke. Yeah. And had 99% to do with the insecurities that he's felt over the last few years because of things that have gotten out into the media about their open marriage, et cetera. There's a lot of history that um, led up to this moment. And it's not just with, uh, it is the stuff that you brought up, but isn't there is some stuff with him and Chris Rock too, right? That like. Yeah. In 2016, he made a joke. As well about Jada, it was a hilarious joke because she was boycotting the Oscars that year. And oh, yeah. He said her boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting uh, Rihanna's panties. <laughs> That's funny. I wasn't invited, and it, it's a great joke. And the thing is, we have to understand that Chris Rock is a comedian, but in that setting, he is actually sort of the bully, like because yes. Will Smith can't. Uh, the only way that he can fight back is to laugh at it. Right. By f- by laughing at it, you no longer give it control, mm-hmm. right? Now, there was there's a thing where I guess uh Jada has alopecia, which just means balding basically. It's an autoimmune yes. condition mm-hmm. that many people have. Yeah, a lot of things can trigger it. And, yeah, yeah, and and so stress can trigger it, diet can trigger it, etc. Yep. Uh just our our toxic environments can trigger alopecia and other autoimmune conditions right Mm -hmm. and yet the reaction to that is she's obviously beautiful even with a shaved head yeah and she seems so empowered to me i don't understand why one wouldn't laugh at that joke however you're allowed you're entitled to be offended yes the truth is though Mm -hmm. as you and i often talk about Mm -hmm. and this is part of the nuance of the whole situation Mm -hmm. you can't be offended by me. Mm-hmm. I, I know it really frustrates people, so let me break it down. Mm-hmm. I don't have the power to offend you. Absolutely right. Who has the power to offend you, Ryan? Yeah, I Jordan. Do. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> me or Jordan. <laughs> He's the only one that can offend me. 
<laughs> and the and so what we're really doing is we are giving people the power to offend us, right? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if if you know, I always like to preface this too with just because I'm offended doesn't mean I'm right. Mm. Like when a, when an emotion uh, arises within me, uh, it's not right or wrong, but it is very real. Yeah, and then I get to decide on how I react to that. And you know what blows my mind about this whole thing? So. Sorry, we're not there yet. Keep going. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go there. Okay, so uh, on Twitter, we had this hilarious meme mm-hmm. that we put up. Ex- uh, describe it. Uh, it was the slapping incident. Yeah, so it was a picture of Will slapping Chris right. Rock. Yeah, and it was uh, you know over Will Smith, it said minimalism, and then over Chris Rock, it said uh, consumerism. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a great metaphor, yes. Slapping... The shit out of consumerism with minimalism. Yes. And someone, the only, the only thing where like there was actually some feedback because a lot of it was just criticism. Um, And, you know, people were just like, you know, unfollowed. It's like, great. Okay. Oh no. Like Uh I I, I don't, I don't, my life doesn't revolve around follows. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But regard, and I don't want, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings either. Like that's, you know, that's not the intent, but sometimes you accidentally do that. And people were obviously had their feelings hurt, but there was one piece of feedback where someone did the Batman and the Robin Mm -hmm. and they're like, I wonder if you could have just used this instead of the Will Smith. And I thought, oh, you know, that's a good point. Like maybe we could use that. But the the whole thing is, is like, it's, it's, it's Twitter. Like this is a relevant in the moment thing. And that's what made it a little bit more powerful and funny that I, you know, that I think, but here's, what's crazy to me is that, you know, people are talking about how offensive it is or how, 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 how wrong it is, I should say, to g- get up uh, when someone is telling a joke and just because they offend you, you have this adverse, very visceral, very negative, very inappropriate reaction. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because we told a joke <laughs> and those people who were complaining about that were literally doing the same exact thing with this meme. They uh, were having this inappropriate reaction to a joke. Yes. And in fact, ours was not glorifying it. That was the thing because Jess called me. Jess Mm -hmm. runs our social media account. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jessica Lynn Williams, social Jess. And she's like, so many people are so like outraged by this. You're glorifying violence. Yeah. and, And of course, it's not out there to glorify violence. But oh. let's also recognize something. Mm-hmm. Let's not overreact and act like he did drop the nuclear bomb on the Oscars. 100%. He smacked someone, which he should not have done. It right. is wrong mm-hmm. to inflict violence on someone else, unless you're defending yourself. And sure. then we have arguments for that. But but of course, Ryan, you've been smacked before. I've sure. been smacked before. Yeah. My funny, the, the funniest comment Jess read to me, she said, uh, you're propagating toxic masculinity. And the only time I've ever been smacked is by a woman, to be clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was, much, yeah. I've been punched by men, but yeah, as far as smacks go, yeah, it's been, yeah. Right. Yeah, me too. And you've been, you've been into, fu- you've been in fights, you've experienced sure. violence, mm-hmm. and you recognize that Yes, there is such a thing as toxic humanity or whatever you want to call it. These things are corrosive to our well-being. Yes. And that word toxic is so overused. I think I'm just going to start using the word corrosive from Mm -hmm. here on out because what happens when something's corrosive? When your battery starts corroding, Mm -hmm. well, you don't panic and start yelling at it and blaming it. Yeah. You simply address the corrosion. Now, 
One way that we can address this corrosion is through jokes. Yes. We can lighten the load of this whole thing. Yeah. My only regret of the whole scenario is I wish I would have flip-flopped the minimalism and consumerism. Hmm. Oh, because yeah. really, it's consumerism that is smacking minimalism. Yeah. Minimalism is the default state. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors were all default minimalists. Yeah. And they didn't have to be minimalists because there was no other option. It's consumerism that is repeatedly smacking us in the face mm. with advertisement, with impulse buys, with junk, with nonsense, with buy this, act now, supplies are limited. Mm-hmm. And it's making us miserable. They're lashing out with violent consumerism. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that tongue in cheek because it's not actual violence. Right. And what Will Smith did was forgivable, but it was totally unnecessary. There's yeah. nothing that can justify what he did. And it's clear that he was so detached from reality. Yeah. And there's so much pain and Mm. sorrow that we have to have compassion. And the thing that I told to Jess when people were lashing out to us is the same thing I would tell to Chris Chris Rock right now. And it's it's the Jesus quote, forgive them for they know not what they do. Will Smith doesn't know what he's doing in that moment because if he really understood what was going on here, he wouldn't be doing that in the first place. Mm -hmm. There are a hundred other ways he could have defended his beautiful wife, and there, uh, and it didn't require violence at all. Mm-hmm. He could have handled it with humor. He could have handled it afterward and said, "Hey, she was offended by that. I appreciate it if you'd apologize." So there are a bunch of ways that you don't have to escalate mm-hmm. to violence. I know you felt like you were defending her in the moment, mm-hmm. but he didn't know what he was doing because if he truly knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. he would have never acted like that in the first place. Yeah. And I'd like to say, too, like there's something with uh, just because we don't agree with something doesn't mean like we have to not understand it. Or I could say that the other way and just say, hey, like it's it's totally OK to disagree with something, but still understand where it's coming from. And like that actually is um, I think that's a more compassionate place to come from mm-hmm. rather than just um, ascribing some mal intent to yeah. whatever we're doing. Yeah. So it's like I understand what he did. And if I was in the same situation, I don't know how I would react. I'll tell you. I mean, and you've had this with Bex. Like, if someone's, like, messing with me or Mariah, I'm going to have a reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully it would never turn into violence. But, you know, I can't say that it would or wouldn't. So, like, in that sense, it's like, what he did is not okay. But I get where he's coming from, man. I wonder if Chris Rock, you know what he could have done with that joke? He could have said something like, you know, just like just when we thought, you know, you couldn't get a, uh, you know, a hotter bald woman than Demi Moore, you mm-hmm. know, Jada shaves her head. Like he could have went the other I, way. I think with essentially it. that's what he was saying, though. I mean, when mm-hmm. you think about it, it's an, an old, weird old dated joke, a G.I. Jane reference, right? Yeah, from the nineties, right? Yeah, but also like Demi Moore is gorgeous in that film, yeah. and so what he's saying is. You too, Jada, are gorgeous. Right. Right. And I suspect he had no idea that she had alopecia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's not going to be doing, you know, in-depth research about every person he's making a joke about. In fact, right. that joke seemed to be a bit off the cuff in the moment because she was dressed in green as well. So the oh, G.I. Jane yeah. reference sort of made sense with her outfit as yeah. well as her shaved head. Yeah. And regardless, he made 
a fairly innocuous joke. Now, it is true that some people will overreact, and and we have to understand that people's reactions we can't control when we mm-hmm. do make a joke, mm-hmm. and yet we can't go around constantly walking on eggshells because we might offend everyone. Yeah. And at first, I was like, oh, no, we offended people on Twitter. And that brings me to the second part of this discussion, Ryan, is... Yeah. I'm strongly considering just walking away from social media altogether. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know what that would do for us, man. Um, I, I but again, I get I get it and I understand it. What do you want to talk about? The other thing that pissed people off? Yeah. So um, there is a uh, a TikTok, a short, less than twenty second video for those who don't know what TikTok is, <laughs> um, of Josh kind of talking about uh, car loans. Yeah, it's a clip from a longer episode that we yeah, had. Yeah, and a ba- here. Well, yeah, you, you say it uh, verbatim. What, what did you? How did you say it? How did you phrase it? If you have to finance a car, you can't afford it. Yeah. So um, this turned into white privilege, <laughs> <laughs> and it turned into uh, it's probably a toxic masculinity um, uh, comment in there as well. Yes. Um, what did Jess tell you about how many like? Because I, I never saw the comments. Oh but- yeah, no, she just said she had to you know like block hundreds of people, which. Um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna like seagull anything with us, and we have the power to shoo you away, we will do that. Yeah, and, and, and seagulling is flying by, taking a shit on something, and then flying away. Right. So, um, no one likes getting shit on. If you have some, if you have some feedback, we welcome feedback. Yes. I, I really I enjoy. Um, I, I'll give you a perfect example. We, I forget what we had said something about professional organizers about how. Whatever it was, it was an off-the-cuff comment about how organizing doesn't work and something about, you know, and somehow we linked that to professional organizers and someone emailed me with a very heartfelt email and was like, hey, look, you know, we understand more than anyone that the best way to get rid of stuff or the best way to organize stuff is to get rid of it. And it was great feedback. And I'm like, oh, they have a really good point. Like, maybe we should reframe that a little bit differently as we move forward. Yes. So we are totally receptive to feedback and... um we we appreciate that and we're happy to admit when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. The, the the problem is that people saw that video and they they moralized it. Mm. Oh, Josh is saying that if I can't if I don't uh, or I'm sorry, if I have a car loan, that means I can't afford it and if I can't afford it, that's bad. And therefore I am bad and right. I should feel shame. Right. And that's not it. In fact, I called TK Coleman after where we were talking about some stuff. I said, hey, let me run something by you because I just talked to Jess and she said that this thing we did went viral, but so many people were offended by the fact that I said that if you have to finance a car, you can't afford it. And he said, well, what else did you say? I said, well, that's literally the clip. Yeah. He goes, that's the definition of financing. Now, totally. now yeah. TK is a... Is a uh, economist expert like he works for fee he's a director of uh, over at fee and so like he understands economics yes and he's like you were just describing what financing is i don't right. have the capital resources to purchase the thing i want to purchase so i have to get the capital from someone else because i can't afford it right uh, not uh, let me let me be clear here mm-hmm. i can't afford a lamborghini that's not wrong. It's not bad. Right. If I wanted to buy one, I'd have to finance it mm-hmm. in order to afford it because I can't actually afford it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could afford the monthly payment. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, I certainly can't afford to buy one. If I wanted to buy a house that's 
you know, whatever, a million dollars, I couldn't afford it. You'd have to finance I'd it. Have to, and that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just is. And I think understanding is the important part here. Yeah. That people get outraged because, as you said, the self-righteousness leads to the, or the moralizing leads to the self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. He must be saying, I'm a bad person. Yeah. No, I was simply illuminating the fact, and I'm sorry that some people got offended by this and misunderstood it. And so I want to be clear here. If you have to finance something, no, you can't afford it. If you want to finance it, that's not bad or good. It's up to you. It just is, yeah. But simply understanding like, oh, yeah, maybe I want to wait until I can afford the thing. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Or no, I don't want to wait. I am going to finance the thing because I need it for X, Y, Z reasons. Now, personally, I can tell you what I would do. I would only finance a mortgage. And even then, I'm going to try and pay it off within 10 years. Right. Within 15 for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to finance anything else. I'm not going to put anything on long-term credit card debt. I'm not going to uh, finance a car ever. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to finance student loans or anything else. Right. And I've done all those things. And what I've recognized and the wisdom I'm trying to pass on to folks is that when I finance something, I'm giving away a piece of my freedom. Yeah. And it's not worth it to me mm-hmm. to give away my freedom to acquire something today. I would rather wait and acquire that thing when I can actually afford it so I don't have to part with a piece of my freedom. Yeah. You know, I don't, I hope this isn't coming across as defensive like the conversation we're having because it's, we're not trying to defend ourselves as much as we're trying to help uh, people understand like where we are coming from. And the reason why that's important, I mean, yes, we all want to be understood and there's probably some very selfish, solipsistic thing where I'm like, no, people need to understand me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it goes a little bit deeper than that. Like what we do is the minimalists, uh, what we do best, I think, is we help people make decisions for themselves. And we don't do that through shaming. We don't do that uh, through making people feel guilty. Mm-hmm. We just do that with helping people see the way things are. At least that's 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 what I that's what I'm trying to do. And so to simply call out, you know, debt or whatever you're financing to say, hey, you can't afford it if you have to finance it. It's just trying to help people think critically. It's trying to give people, and you're right. I don't want to come off as defensive either because, to be frank, I don't care what you do. I want to provide you with additional perspective. Because in Mm -hmm. our society, the only way we can afford something, we think, we've been told, we've been lied to by corporations, Mm -hmm. we've been told the only way you can afford this is if you finance it. Mm -hmm. And that's why the average car payment is over $500 in 83 months. The average household that is indebted in America has $97,775 in non-mortgage debt. That means we're buying a bunch of things we can't afford. Mm -hmm. That's not wrong. It's not bad. But it puts us in this prison of debt. And if we can help a few people avoid that prison of debt, Mm -hmm. we can help expand the freedom of the average person who's listening to this. Mm. I love you and I have compassion for you. And I don't want you to be imprisoned. If you don't want that debt, Mm -hmm. I want you to know there are other ways to avoid the debt. There's a great book called Debt-Free Degree by Anthony O'Neill that shows you how to get through college without debt. There's the total money makeover that shows you how to buy a car 
without debt, mm-hmm. right? How to budget without debt. And of course, Dave Ramsey will show you how to live without credit cards. You don't need a credit card. We got through life without credit cards for a long time. A credit score is functionally irrelevant mm. if you don't need debt. In yeah. fact, a credit score is not a credit score. It is merely a debt score. And you can get by with that one. Now, you don't want a bad credit score. That means that you've done something that has yeah, that will adversely affect your ability to pay something in the future. Yeah. A zero credit score, though, mm-hmm. is better than like a 300 credit score. Yeah, absolutely. So, so having no credit score <laughs> right? makes a whole lot more sense mm-hmm. than having a low credit score. Now, obviously, out of all of those, if it doesn't matter to you, then having a zero credit score means you have freedom because you don't have any debt. Mm-hmm. And it is still possible, by the way, to get a mortgage without a credit score. Yeah, It's called underwriting. And by the way, Real mortgage companies, they don't really look at your... They run your credit to make sure you haven't screwed anything up. You haven't screwed anyone over, right? But they look at your finances, right? Mm -hmm. They they look at how much... Do you have the ability to pay? Because you could have the best credit score. You can make $10,000 a year and have an 800 credit score. Right. But Mm -hmm. a mortgage company is not going to give you a mortgage with an 800 credit score, but $10,000 a year. Yeah. It's just crazy to me how that word you used, underwriting... It has such a negative connotation with it. Because oh, really? Of, well, because of 2008. That's why. Oh, yeah. That's why, you know, the, the crash happened. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's not necessarily a negative thing. I don't know if anyone else was thinking that when you said that, but I was like, underwriting, like for some reason, I, it's a pejorative to me. Yeah, no, that's a different kind of underwriting. Right. Yeah. And, and so underwriting just means you're looking at, at the elements that are required to pay for the loan. Now, yeah, banks bought up these large securities in, in 2008 before the, like they were basically buying crappy loans and mm-hmm. packaging them together. It was a, it was a huge debacle. Yeah. It was all, <laughs> it was a borderline Ponzi scheme. Oh, it, yeah, it definitely was that man. That's uh what the big short is that the dramatized version? Yeah. That's a, gr- it's an unbelievable movie and yeah. Yeah. Docudrama. They call yeah, it, I think. That's great. Anyway, Ryan, I want to move on here. Let's talk about our, Top three consumer regrets. We had this question from Sage. Sage said, what are Joshua and Ryan's top three consumer regrets? Mm. My first one is that private jet we bought. (laughs) It is an arm and a leg. I don't regret it at all. I'm happy without my arm and leg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, No, we we have some. I mean, let's talk about regrets real quick in this sense that if I regretted something, doesn't mean I still regret it today. Mm-hmm. As soon as I learn the lesson from the thing that I regret purchasing, mm-hmm. regret bringing into my life, yes, the lesson helps me let go of the regret. Or it helps you jilt the regret. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> helps me jilt the guilt. Yes, jilt the guilt. And my shame is tamed. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, here are three things that... I purchased and then regretted. The first one was I built a house when I was 22. Mm. And I I just didn't know any better. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't really intentional with it. So 
it probably wasn't in the location where I would have built a house. It was just, I was sort of just going with the motions, going with the flow. This is what you are supposed to do. And when we start making decisions based on this is what I'm supposed to do, it tends to lead to regret because it leads to a lot of unintentional purchases, which lead to regret. So I built this house. It was a you know, this uh, three bedroom, two and a half car garage, two living rooms, full basement. It was too much space for me and my former spouse. Mm-hmm. And we felt compelled then to fill it with stuff as well, which led to other consumer regrets as we started buying all these things we didn't need, but we felt the house was incomplete. And if the house was incomplete, then we as human beings must be incomplete. Yeah. And so it was a kind of a cookie cutter house, suburban house. I wouldn't have ever purchased the house. That's a weird thing. I, and just building it, it was like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. Oh, plus I'm getting a good deal on it. I'd be stupid not to. The interest rates are low. The yeah. the down payment is zero dollars right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know that was 2003 or whatever it was. Yeah. And so I certainly regretted that. I would have done a lot of things differently had I been intentional. So intentional purchases would have led me to making radically different decisions with building or purchasing a house. It's not that building a house or purchasing a house was wrong. Mm -hmm. I would have made different decisions along the way. Yeah. I got two more for you here, Ryan. I bought a Land Rover Discovery in 2004 (laughs) and then very quickly changed. uh, So we managed a bunch of retail stores. I changed stores and I had to start driving it was like a hundred miles a day. Yeah. And I'm driving this giant gas guzzler. Right. And I'm spending a, it's like two or three times the money that I was on gas yeah. within a month of buying the thing. Right. And I was like, oh, I wasn't intentional with this purchase. And so I didn't think about the thing we were talking about earlier. The things have to be paid for twice. You buy the car, mm-hmm. that's the price up front. Mm-hmm. But the gas is the second price and the oil changes and the maintenance and a Land Rover has all the maintenance charges, right? Isn't there a company in LA that literally their whole business is predicated on you bring your brand new Land Rover to them and they just automatically fix everything they know that it already is has a problem with. There is that joke that <laughs> they're known for leaking on the lot. Right, yeah. And I don't know if they still do, but they did back then. And so there was a ton of maintenance. Eventually, I sold it relatively quickly at a huge loss, which led to more regret. But there were lessons there. I learned that lesson. I've let go of the regret. I don't still regret it at this point. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was talking to podcast Sean about this this morning, and he seemed to misunderstand the what we were trying to accomplish here because I asked him what the lessons from the mm-hmm. regrets. He's like, well, I don't have any regrets. And I'm like, yeah, but tell me about the lessons you've learned because mm-hmm. as soon as you've learned the lesson, mm-hmm. you start to, the, that regret just dissipates on mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. And the regret in that sense becomes beneficial. It becomes corrosive when we don't learn the lesson. Right. And so we hold on to the regret and it eats at us and it provides more anxiety and stress in our lives. Here's one more regret. It's not a specific one, but I can give you some specifics around it. Going into any debt except mortgage debt. Mm. And yeah. So I think about the 14 credit cards I had back in the day. So I was one of those one in 10 Americans who have 10 or more active credit cards. Yeah. I had 14. I had a Banana Republic. I had a Macy's card. I had Diners Club. I had Sears. I had an Elder Beerman's Club, which is a department store in Dayton, which here's the irony. I was banned from that store. If you if you read Love People Use Things, <laughs> I was actually arrested in that store. Oh, my goodness. 
Uh, I'm not going to go through all the details of that right now, but I still had a credit card so I could shop there, mm. but I'd have to sneak in, I guess. Right. Now, I signed up for those credit cards. Why? Because you get 10% off today mm-hmm. on that $70 shirt. And so I saved $7 today for $70, $700, worth of regret in the future. Mm. I did that with Banana Republic. I did it with Macy's. I did it with American Express and MasterCard and Visa, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, I just remember how overwhelmed I was mm. and how, this is a true story I've never told before. Mm. So I have all this credit card debt, $100,000 worth of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. I've gotten driving around that Land Rover. Mm-hmm. I'm driving up, uh, I'm driving 275 to I-71 in Ohio. And I, there's that, I'm driving up I-71 on my way toward Columbus. There's the tallest bridge in Ohio. And there, there was a day where I was planning on driving the car off the bridge. Mm. Because this was the only way out, it felt like. I was so stifled by debt. That I felt like ending it all. The easiest way out. Was not just the easiest way. You're mm. right. But it felt to me at the time, mm. it was wrong, but it felt to me at the time like it was the only way out. Yeah. That's what debt does to us. That's how corrosive debt is. Mm-hmm. I got four more bonus non-consumer regrets, but yeah. I'd love to hear from yours uh, first, Ryan. Sure. I can get into those. Um, I'll tell you what, though. That bridge you're talking about, they mm. actually had to put walls up because Several people did what you did. A friend of ours, you were thinking about doing, jumped off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's man, what a shame. And it was because it was because of debt. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean that's what it came down to. Yeah, man, Mm. what a pernicious thing. So we're talking about uh, consumer regrets. I talked about one in the minimal episode about um, getting a new car every two years. And essentially, like the the last brand new car I bought, that was the last brand new car I bought. It was a Bugatti. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like a Toyota Solera or something. And it had, I had a truck that was re- it was a really awesome truck. And I was yeah. about three years away from paying it off, but it needed new tires, it needed new brakes, it needed a lot of maintenance. And I get the quote on the maintenance, and it was um, if it wasn't five hundred dollars, it was like fifteen hundred dollars. I just remember it being a lot, and I'm like, huh. My car payment's only 200 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month. Maybe I, I could just take the equity from this, get get a new car, and just keep that payment going. And uh, yeah, I can avoid spending $2,000 right now or whatever it was. And uh, I, I get in that, uh, I go to the lot, I get in the Toyota, I'm driving it around. And you know, the new car smell, like that's, that alone, like makes you think about buying a new car. Mm-hmm. It was nice and shiny and clean but then I realized it had Bluetooth. And that is what that's what sold it for me. I was like, ah, Bluetooth. Like, this is amazing. Like, this this is tells you how long ago, like that, you know, we were live but also I, I was uh connected with my Blackberry. Like <laughs> uh, it, it, so, it strikes me that we justify I can pay five hundred dollars a month for Bluetooth. Because that's yeah, essentially what you're talking about. A Bluetooth accessory, yeah. Which really I could have just I could have just bought a radio 
Which, and I learned that lesson because that Toyota Corolla, remember the radio like eventually went out? Yes. I had a buddy who worked at a sound uh, sound place in Missoula, Montana, and um, gave me a really good deal. Like a nice little radio and some speakers, and it had Bluetooth, and I could have just done that with my truck rather than like trading in it. So I had to learn <clears throat> learn that lesson the hard way. I remember when you got the Corolla, mm-hmm. and... You we you didn't have Bluetooth obviously, but we had you can see it in our first documentary the cassette tape yes. that hooked into the iPod. Yes, and isn't it better to use that than to pay five hundred dollars a month for Bluetooth? Oh my goodness, a hundred percent better, hundred percent better. What else um, you got? Then uh, you know I remember when I when I, we first started down the 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 minimalism road, I went I needed a shaver, so I went to you know whatever department store to get a shaver and there's all these options paradox of choice right mm. like, oh man like, i don't know how, how do i know which one's which amazon wasn't really a thing so it's not like i could really look at reviews um nor did i feel like i needed to go look at reviews for a, you know something to shave my my scruff so i'm like well uh, i'm a minimalist um i'm doing this because you know i want to regain control of my time and the way i can regain control of my time is by regaining control of my finances so i'm gonna get like the cheapest the cheapest shaver that I can get. It lasted about, uh, I think the warranty on it was 30 days. It lasted about 30 and a half days. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was so mad because it, yeah, it was just a piece of junk. And uh, yeah, the, the regret there was not a doing a little bit of research beforehand and B um, I could have just freaking. Yeah. I could have just spent a little bit more, a little bit more money and got the better quality item. Yeah, and instead of like trying to, and, and almost in a way, I kind of look back at like me being self righteous in that situation. I'm a minimalist. I'm going to spend as little money as possible. Hmm. So you know, um, that's another lesson I learned. Like, just because you're a minimalist doesn't mean you have to be cheap. <laughs> yes, I think that's important because there are these extra costs: the cost of replacing the thing. Yeah, when we buy the cheap thing, we and mm-hmm. so that's another way. You weren't actually being intentional because mm-hmm. you were looking at one dimension of three dimensions, right? Mm. You're looking at merely the price point. Mm. Well, the best price point is not to buy it at all because yeah. then you pay $0. But that also doesn't get you what you want. Yeah. So not buying the thing didn't get you what you want. Buying the cheapest version of the thing didn't get you what you want. Yeah. Both of those things would lead to regret. Yeah. But also buying the $5,000 gold-plated shaver would lead to regret as well. Yeah. And for you, the best thing was somewhere in between, much closer to the to the $0 item. Yeah. But something that is going to last a while. In fact, that's what intentional purchasing does it allows us to buy the thing so we have to so we can stop worrying about the thing replacing the thing buying another thing getting a better version of the thing mm-hmm. we get the thing that is enough so we can move on and stop worrying about the purchase at all yeah yeah man and then I, I, the third one like i just thought about uh cuz when this question came up i just like i'm just you know kind of listing the first things that came into my mind the third one was when i first got my cat i like bought him I wanted to make his life happy. So I bought him like all kinds of cat toys. Mm. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I, uh, I, I bet you that cat had as many items as I did personally. <laughs> and you it wasn't your cat a, into a hoarder. Yeah. It wasn't until, um, yeah, I did turn my cat into a hoarder. All the pet accessories. It wasn't until 
my girlfriend at the time, her daughter was over and she was like, why does he have so many cat toys? I'm like, the more he has, <laughs> the happier he's going to be. Just like me. I'm miserable. Yeah. But really, yeah, right. Exactly. But I realized, um, A, I was projecting that onto my cat. And then uh, B, I realized like he, there was like one thing or two things he played with. And I was like, oh, like pets aren't psychos like humans. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they, they don't, they, they they don't tend, need a million things. Especially dogs. They tend to gravitate toward the one thing. Yeah. And they they neglect all the other toys because they have a favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And the irony of that is that's what we as humans do as well. Mm. We can have 10 pairs of shoes, but what do we do? We gravitate toward our favorite pair, right? And so as a minimalist, every piece of clothes that I own is my favorite clothes. Every pair of shoes, my favorite shoes. Every every pair of jeans are my favorite jeans Mm -hmm. because I don't own a bunch of excess stuff. Mm. And so I own only... My favorites. You could TikTok that, Danny. Now, Ryan, I have three. No, Ryan, I have four bonus non-consumer regrets. Minimalist. So this, this isn't buyer's remorse. This is like just remorse, remorse. Here's, <laughs> here's, here's one. And I, I've let go of the regret on these, but these are ones that were much harder to let go of. Mm. Not leaving my job sooner. Mm -hmm. I was in a career for all the wrong reasons. For the status. For the money. Nothing wrong with earning money. Mm -hmm. Rob Bell just put out a new audio book. It's really good. It's called Grabbing the Bag. It's about money. And so it's sort of the other side of money. I was talking Mm -hmm. to Malabama about this yesterday. But you know how Dave Ramsey talks about the facts and figures of money and paying off debt, etc. It's super, super helpful, especially Mm -hmm. with money. Something mechanical like money, right? Well, Rob Bell talks about the feelings, the what he calls these calls the spiritual underpinnings of mm, money. Mm. Because we all know, and Dave Ramsey talks about this as well, money isn't just about the math of things. If it was, none of us would go into debt because we'd realize that oh, I can't afford the thing, so I'm not going to buy it. We go into debt because of the spiritual underpinnings of our money, the association Mm -hmm. that we associate with money. Mm -hmm. It's going to make me happy. It's going to make me complete. It's going to make me better. It's going to make me new and improved. It's going to make me sexier. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to solve my problems. Mm -hmm. So I might as well go into debt. And one of the things that I did was I stayed in that corporate job for so long because it paid well. And it funded a lifestyle. I didn't even connect the dots. It funded a lifestyle that was making me miserable. Yeah. So it paid me a lot of money to make me miserable. Now, nothing wrong with money. I could have done something much better with the money I made in the corporate world. I mm. didn't. I made really good money, but I was broke. Well, why was I broke? Because of the spiritual underpinnings of the money. I told myself I needed to impress other people with watches or jewelry or suits. Here's the truth. No one cared. What I was watching or or wearing. Mm. No one cared what I was driving. No one cared where I lived. And so I cared, but I was pretending as though everyone else cared. Mm. That's why if you come over to my house today, it looks nice, but it looks nice for me, right? Right. It's not about impressing anyone. I don't ever have company. Mm -hmm. It's me and Bex and Ella and occasionally you Mm -hmm. and maybe Mariah. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Jordan will come over if he's filming something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then like Ella will like try to take pictures with his camera. <laughs> and um, anyway, what I've realized is that 
I was so busy trying to impress other people that I was depressing myself. Mm. Mm. Give you a couple more things. Not spending enough time with my mom before she died. Yeah. That's my biggest regret in life. And that's mm. one that's been hard to let go of. Yeah. I'd love to have her on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. Oh, that would have been gosh. hilarious. Oh, man. Yeah. So many stories. Yeah. I love telling these stories to TK because he's Catholic. And my mom was a devout Catholic and she used to be a nun before me. Mm-hmm. But then she has the most wild stories. Like she has stories of her. I, I can't even. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll save this for some other time. In fact, yeah. well, let's do a whole podcast we'll episode. That, we'll save that for the minimalists only fans. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what story yes. you're talking about. There are quite a few like that. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one for you. Any medical and health regrets? Mm. I'm never happy that I, I'm so glad I ate the whole cheesecake. Yeah. Oh, I really wish I would have eaten more tortilla chips yesterday. I wish I would have taken more antibiotics. Oh, <laughs> right. And now there are times where antibiotics save people's lives. Yes, of course. But we yeah. prescribe things so willy nilly in this country. So I, I took a disproportionate amount of antibiotics in my 20s that were unnecessary to take. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so any sort of health things, that, anything that we do to our health, I never say I wish I would have done more of that thing that has been toxic. Mm. So anything that is corrosive to my life ends up being a regret. And if I don't learn the lesson from it, I just keep doing it and doing it, and it creates more suffering. Mm. And finally, I'll tell you, here's one regret that I didn't realize, and sometimes you just don't know. You can try to be as intentional as you want, mm-hmm. and, you, and you, there's still going to be some twinge of, oh, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. This studio space we're in right now, mm. it looks beautiful. Yeah. And yet, it, that beauty does not translate as well on camera as it does in person. Mm. So you see these beautiful paintings that are behind us. And I can assure you, and you, you actually you go to the wide angle here if you're actually watching, mm-hmm. the studio itself is stunning. Beulah did the most amazing job with the color palette, the sound panels, the couch, the paintings, the desks, this desk, the microphone stands, all, all this other stuff that we figured out together. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't translated the same way on camera as it does in person. Mm. And so is that a regret? Yeah, it's a regret in the sense that, oh, man, I thought one thing was going to happen because the space is beautiful, Mm. but it simply doesn't translate on camera. And that means we're probably going to have to change our backgrounds in the not too distant future Mm. in order for it to resonate more on camera. Here's the irony of that, Ryan. Hmm. It will actually make the space less appealing aesthetically off camera, right? but more aesthetically appealing on camera. And now that totally makes sense to me. And I should have known that you mentioned earlier when we were the first time we did CBS this morning. Mm. It's not that aesthetically pleasing when you walk into the space. It seems a little chaotic. Yeah. But on camera, it's like, oh my gosh, it's made for camera. Yeah. And I should have considered that. We should have considered that beforehand. And we had some considerations, but we couldn't have known exactly how it was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. But now that I've learned that lesson, I've been able to let go of the regret. Dude, we need to just do green screens with these paintings and we put whatever we want. Roller coasters. Oh! <laughs> Getting chased by a lion. Oh, <laughs> uh, what about you? Are what? you writing this down, Jordan? These are good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what what's one thing that you've purchased that you uh, eventually or soon regretted? What camera was it? <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, that is oh, pretty really? close. <laughs> it's not really a camera, uh-huh. but in general, my life's regret with purchases has been buying cheap gear. Mm. Because I grew up poor, and I wanted to do this all my life, you know, working in Hollywood. And the up until recently, everything price range, and Danny can attest to this, like things were just camera gear, super expensive. Right. Now it's get it's coming down to a more manageable level for for you know prosumers. Um, but yeah, I've always kicked myself every time I buy a piece of cheap gear. Mm. And then you, So what happens after say you buy a, a cheap piece of gear? What happens that triggers that regret? Well, you're using it and it doesn't work for the intended <laughs> function. It just falls apart. <laughs> you like like the main thing is like here's a good example. And you've seen me use it on our shoots. There's a thing called a slider. It's pretty self-explanatory. You put the camera on it, it slides, it makes a nice smooth sliding shot. Right. Oh, I bought the sixty dollar one from Amazon. Not the not even just the next step up, it's like 150 bucks. Mm. Right. And I know people that have the $150 one. I mean, there's a you know, thousands of dollar ones. Right. Um, like the Dana Dolly. Dana Dolly, fantastic. We've used it on the Netflix shoots. Oh uh-huh. yeah. But I use the sixty dollar one, and what does it do? If I don't use it just right, it wobbles uh, and it sticks because yeah. it doesn't have bearings. Mm. Yeah. And it's like I could have built something better than this for right. less than sixty bucks. So why <laughs> why did I buy the cheap one? Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, that's such a good point. That and it's similar to what Ryan Shaver, but with yours, it's also that it's not that it breaks down necessarily. It just doesn't work as you intended it to work. Right. And so anytime we try to save money, it often costs us a lot of stress. And even if you couldn't afford the $150 thing at the time, Jordan, you know, you could have effectively put it on layaway by saving up a little bit more and and doubling or tripling the amount of money you were going to spend. Mm-hmm. And then what are you really doing with that? By paying the extra $90, you're actually paying to avoid a lot of the problems that you're going to soon encounter. Well, to to continue that statement, um in my experience, I've sometimes like the most recent one was my camera the the stills camera it's a sony a7r3 uh i did have the money to afford it but i pulled into i reached into my savings which i shouldn't exist but i was like i need this and like and and when i say need in terms of a business expense it turned around and and paid itself back tenfold because i was Mm. able to get clients and i was able to do a lot more work with a lot less headache so it's not only just paying you back in the dollar amount, but mm-hmm. in the less stress. Mm-hmm. So. In, in fact, some of these purchases, you might be better off without because like that, the, the slider that you're talking about, it often creates uh, discontent in your work where you could have like the limitation of not having it would force you to do something else with your camera that wouldn't have created that much stress or you know, problems with the work that you're creating. Yeah. What about you, Danny? I would, I relate with that, Jordan, with the camera gear, but I would have to say Call of Duty. Really? <laughs> Which is, and my friends would probably be like, what? Dude, Call of Duty's free. Well, okay. So, <laughs> monetarily. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah. You're so right. I'd There's buy, like microtransactions on there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, shoot. And so, I feel like the 60 bucks, okay. Yeah. And then add another 60 for mm-hmm. like online to play online. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 120. Yeah. But man, 
the time. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't recognize it until this last year. I got it again because it was it was the third year in a row I had done that since mm. out of college. I was like, okay, it's how I connect. I justified it. It's how I connect with my buddies. Mm-hmm. Why can't I FaceTime them? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's how I connect with. You know, I, it's it's alone time. Well, why can't I read? Mm-hmm. Why can't? And then here's the kicker. Here's what really made me regret it is I would take that time away from Amy, mm. my partner who I live with. Mm. So I'm not only taking time away from work, my alone time, quote unquote, I'm taking time away from another person too. I'm taking time away from cooking dinner, mm. taking time away from my life. And so that's probably my biggest regret, um, probably the last year especially. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Oh, it's addicting for sure, man. You yeah. feel like you're wasting right. your time. Yeah. And that's another opportunity cost. We talk about the opportunity cost of money, but what about the opportunity cost of your time? And by saying yes to Call of Duty, by saying yes to going out drinking with buddies, Mm -hmm. by saying yes to bingo night with Mm -hmm. grandma, (laughs) whatever it is. I really, I used to go to bingo with my grandma. I know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But by saying yes, there's nothing wrong with playing Call of Duty. There's nothing wrong with going to, to bingo night. But the problem we run into is, is that the best use of this resource? Yeah. I mean, this if, finite resource. If you are finding yourself not being able to do the things that really drive you, make you happy, wh- whatever it is, add value to your life. Um, yeah. That's when you start to feel regret, like, oh man, I shouldn't have spent those three hours playing Call of Duty. I should have worked on my homework or studied or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, slept. Yeah, slept. Right. Absolutely. Oh my God. I did. <clears throat> I, I, when I was, when I was in the corporate world, I would, I'd, yeah, I'd stay up to like four in the morning playing Call of Duty. Zombies specifically. <laughs> that mode was like amazing. Anyway, no, it, yeah, I can get away from you and you, yeah, definitely feel yeah, regrets. But then you had to be up two and a half hours later. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I used to lie to myself, if I just get three hours of sleep, I'll be fine. Oh mm. my God. Yeah. No, that's we can that, justify anything. Yeah. So now you're going into time debt. Mm-hmm. You're going into health debt. Debt. You're going into well-being debt. Yeah. All for this free game that I that I got, right? Yeah. Or this. Oh, it's really inexpensive, right? Yeah. And it's allowing me to connect with my friends. Well, is it really? Mm. Or is it actually? Is it actually disconnecting you from the people you love the most? Mm. And on top of that. That game frustrates the hell out of me. Yes. Because you could get a, a W whenever, yeah. right, Ryan? You get once get a, a night. dub. Yeah. But then the other 15 times you tried it, mm-hmm. you're frustrated, you're mm-hmm. mad, and now you're all frustrated together. It's just not worth it to me. You're all. paying to upset yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like rooting for the Utah Jazz. Yeah. I, s- <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme. It said... Uh, it said uh, we shouldn't make fun of people who play video games on easy mode because the whole point of playing a game is to relax and have fun, <laughs> not Say to it. like stress yourself out and get angry. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Alabama? Oh man. Well, oh. Hey, r- before we go to Alabama, I just want to say, okay. with I just want to go back to Jordan for one second. Um, I think there's a really valuable lesson in if you have a hobby or a profession that you're spending a lot of time on. Like I think that's where you do give yourself permission to. Um, to spend a little bit more money and buy the quality thing. I think, yeah. Once you realize that you can't do what you need to do mm-hmm. without it, mm-hmm. I think it's also important to realize that constrain yourself for as long as you can. And I, I can tell you with Jordan, I think it's one of the reasons he's so skilled. Mm. I mean, he has an innate talent. 
but he is so skilled because he didn't have a lot of the tools early on, so he had to do some stuff to sort of improvise. Mm-hmm. You say that's a fair assessment, Jordan? Oh, yeah. I was going to say um, one of the things... Yeah, this is on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the only people I know in, that's in my age group that can use manual focus really well. Wow. Most that's people awesome. can't. Everyone's like, what, is, what does that mean? Like yeah. I can actually from and you've seen me do this from inf- you know you, you you infinity the lens and I can have it down like I'm a military person like they say go I can just pick it up and get focus in like one turn yeah and that's because the only thing I could afford and this is for the camera people that might be watching is Canon FD lenses from the 80s and the 70s mm. they were cheap lenses but they're all manual mm. and it was like well I can get them all mm-hmm. instead of getting you know using the the cheap kit lenses that are actually worse than the old 80s lenses right. Yeah. And I got really good at that. Yeah. And nowadays, sometimes I default to that because it's a better quality product, yeah. you know, yeah. than relying on autofocus. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's, that's just one little skill, For sure. you know. <laughs> because yeah. if you, it's like if you can't write without spell check, I'm trying to relate this to yeah. writing, then, um, you know, then you're kind of screwed, right? Like, because what yeah. happens when you don't have, you know, something to write on, right? Isn't that funny? We never had spell check before, like, 1995. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What about you, Alabama? What do you got for us? Everybody else's is so prolific. All yeah. right. Alabama's <laughs> problem comes from the fact that she, number one, does not enjoy shopping. But when she needs to shop, she has to have someone go with her. Mm. And a circa 2009 Mallory went shopping in a Rue 21 with a friend that did not quite have the same taste as her and was very encouraging about a pair of lime green python print skinny jeans. Yeah. And Josh, you'd look great in those. Mm, oh, thank you. Yeah. That's actually what I'm wearing right now. They can't tell because of the desk that's in the way. Yeah, You're the wide shot. <laughs> that's on the OnlyFans. You're right. Yeah. It, it doesn't mm. feel nearly as like important or pivotal as these other things, but it was a really big regret that mm-hmm. I somehow still carry 10 years or well, more than 10 years now later mm. of just this this moment that was tangibly me trying to impress somebody else or feel included in something else. And uh, surprise, I never wore them. I was too scared to wear them oh, wow. uh, out in public because I was afraid of what people might come up and confront me and say to me about uh-huh. the assumptions of wearing these Gaudy, gaudy jeans. <laughs> I call these aspirational purchases. Yeah, We see something on a mannequin we see someone wearing a leather jacket that might look great on us. We see someone wearing this pair of pants that are mm. Python print uh, pants. We see the the leopard patterns. We see tight leather pants. Mm-hmm. And they look great on some people. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, like, wait a minute. I'm not the leather pants guy. You aren't? <laughs> Wait, it's funny that podcast, Sean. <laughs> Dude, you really have to be careful when you go to the store with the mannequins. Uh, if, when something looks really good on a mannequin, first off, like look behind it and see if it has that little clip yes. that like pinches it and forms it to the mannequin. And oh, by the way, the other thing is uh, mannequins, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see some normal mannequins because, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's it's now becoming uh, uh, appropriate or more appropriate or in vogue. I don't know how you want to say it to have like these um, like plus size mannequins, which actually do make sense because most people aren't skinny with great bodies. And 
the mannequins, they have, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, they were the sexiest bodied mannequins that you could have. Yeah, they were basically the statue of David. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, right. That's 100% right. And then, like, you know, you see you see a clothes on them. You're like, oh, I'm going to look like that. It's like, no, you're, the clothes are de- deceiving you. Like, it's the body that you're actually looking at. Yeah. You would look really good with that body with that shirt on. That is true. Yeah. And <laughs> right. also, if you took the shirt off, you'd look really good right. without it. You'd look even better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mallory, I, just, I just always buy the clip so it clips me. <laughs> Just like the mannequin. That's what I should have done. Right, exactly. And that's the hard part, too, is it's mm. not that I saw it on a mannequin or on a shelf or on a model and went, that's what I want to represent myself as. I tried it on in the store. Yeah. And they were still uncomfortable, but I still <laughs> justified it. It was like, well, I mean, I had my friend here hyping me up going, yeah, yeah this is a look. This is uh, this is going to be iconic. Yeah. And I believed them and I talked myself into it. Yeah. See, Mallory, mm. this is the most uh, prolific um, example because you <laughs> let you let someone else um, a like dictate your style and talk you into it yeah and buying something based on what other people think like that is um it's so you you bought those thinking that uh, uh, uh other people were going to like yeah it's prolific it's gonna look awesome but I don't really feel comfortable in them but other people are gonna think they're awesome like that was I don't know that's the most most prolific example to me I think that's the most recent trend I've ever jumped on. It was 2009. <laughs> was that ever a trend? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like third quarter minutes? 2009. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Neon emo. That is so third quarter 2009. <laughs> we called it Nemo. Nemo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We tried to find pictures of our MySpace. Josh and I were talking about this the other day, and I was like, oh, it's it's buried in the catacombs of the mm. internet. Probably best that we don't resurface that. So, mm. Can you still log on to your MySpace account? Uh, we got onto mine yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's MySpace.com slash Joshua Milburn. No but, way. Yeah. Uh, it all my photos got deleted. I guess oh, they had some oh, server oh. issue or whatever. Okay. I was really upset about that because I had like three photos on there. <laughs> Me too. I was ready to see the embarrassing photos. <laughs> well, they weren't. They were. They, I look exactly the same as I did when I was twenty eight when I joined. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I joined Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace all three on the same day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's two thousand nine. That's right, dude. It, it was like that weird six month confluence when they were all sort of relevant mm-hmm. and Facebook was relatively new. Twitter was like brand new to mm-hmm. the populace. I mean, it was three years old, but to the populace, it was like three months old. Mm-hmm. And then it was a tail end of MySpace. And right there, I signed up for all three on the same day. And that's how I stumbled across minimalism. Thanks to Twitter. I found mm-hmm. a video. Someone tweeted a video from Colin Wright mm-hmm. and he said he owned 52 items and uh, the rest is history. The last, uh, how many years has that been? 2009, that's like 13 years. Lee. Wow. We're old, man. Well, Alabama has some surprise purchases that people from our audience, our patrons, regret making these purchases. Let's start with Audrey. I thought I'd love a Peloton bike and use it religiously because everyone else seemed to. I relate with you, Audrey. I've had it for nine months now and I've used it three times. I much prefer my regular bike. I'm still kicking myself because I know I will never get my money back if I try to sell it. Yeah, but you got a lot of it back. I, I use mine a lot. Like Mariah and I, we yeah, we use it quite a bit, except when we're, you know, traveling. Um, mm-hmm. You don't pack it? We don't pack it. In your packed bag? Portable Peloton, patent pending. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I mean, but, but you know, to Audrey's um, point here, not her point, but like, Basically, when someone else gets a, a tremendous amount of value from something, doesn't mean that you're going to get a tremendous amount of value from something. If Josh bought a snowboard, he would be miserable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think also 
one thing to note is you may get value from something and then stop getting value from it. A great example is my Peloton. Yeah. I used the Peloton for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I had like a really long streak. It was like 74 weeks and I was doing it three times a week. And, you know, I get real OCD about these right. things. And then I realized like, I'm doing this, but I don't really enjoy doing it anymore. Right. I felt imprisoned by trying to maintain the Snapchat streak equivalent mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Peloton. Mm-hmm. I was gamifying my discontent. Ooh. And by gamifying my discontent, it was actually making me more discontented. Yeah. So just two weeks ago, Bex and I sold our Peloton mm-hmm. and we made the extra space. So we got some of our money back. Mm-hmm. We also got some value from it. So yeah. maybe one thing to recognize, Audrey, is you probably got some value from it while you used it. Now, it wasn't as much value as your regular bike, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But the other value you got is you now realize that you aren't a Peloton person, and that's okay too. So you paid a little bit to realize the Peloton isn't for you, but you also paid to realize that I really enjoy riding my regular bike, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to revert to that. You can sell this thing. You can let go of it. And along the way, you'll also let go of that monthly expense, so you don't have to pay for that anymore. Yeah. Jesse has a question for us. I found an online course for something I was interested in, but I joined because it was on sale and I ended up not really enjoying it at all. I regretted purchasing it almost immediately. Mm. Ryan, this is why I don't do a discount on my writing class, howtowritebetter.org, if yeah. you're interested. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can't sign up for it right now, but you can get on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'll do up to 100 students. Uh, there's three trimesters a year right now. And so we just uh, we're in the middle of one right now. But we don't do any discounts. And we also do 100% money back guarantee mm. with the course because I don't want people to make simply an impulse purchase. It's not a cheap course. It's worth a lot more than what I charge for it. Mm-hmm. But that way people make an informed decision. In fact, when people write in with questions, I often try to talk them out of it. And the way that I talk them out of it is say, you need to, need to be willing for at least one month to dedicate at least seven hours, ideally 10 hours a week. Or you can protract that to five hours a week over two months Mm -hmm. if you like. But if you're not willing to make that commitment, I can't simply upload a brain into your head. Can I help you to write better, learn how to write better? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I don't want it to be an impulse buy because I don't want you to waste your money. I don't want you to waste your time. And I don't want you to waste my time either. We're going to get students for it either way. And if you're committed, I guarantee I'll show you how to write better. Yeah. But I also guarantee that I can't upload a brain into your head. I can show you how to defor- how to form a writing habit, how to publish diff- di- via different mediums, mediums, how to um, edit your work, how to compose your work, mm-hmm. the best textbooks and writing books and writing resources to use. But with the writing class like that, I can't simply encourage you to sign up today with a fifty percent discount because you wouldn't get the value from it if you made the impulse purchase. If you make an intentional purchase, yeah, you're definitely going to get value from it. Mm -hmm. And that's been the lesson from all of these regrets. We tend to make these, we tend to have these 99% of these regrets when we're not as intentional as we would have liked to have been. Mm. When we react hastily, oh, I better hurry. I better act now because supplies are limited. Mm -hmm. That false demand, that, that, that artificial limited supply makes us do some crazy things with FOMO. 
Mm. Mm. What about Laura's question or, or Laura's uh, regret? We wanted to move outside of the city because we'd just recently been robbed and wanted a quiet, rural place. Now that we have a kid, we need a way better school district, but that would mean doubling our mortgage in this market. Because of this, we regret buying our house. Mm. Well, in this market, you could probably sell your house for more than what you bought it for, but yeah. uh, then you have nowhere to live and you have to purchase another house, which is, yeah, now you're buying it at like peak times. Yeah, and rent's going up significantly. I saw this thing. Oh, man, in, it's um, unbelievable, yeah. Dave Ramsey was talking about this recently. So the rents in, someone called into a show in Tampa, Tampa Bay area, are up 67% year over year. Yeah, that place is blown up, dude. Like where, where our coffee shop Bandit is. Mm-hmm. Like St. Pe- it's funny because in that the, the the part of the city in St. Petersburg that Bandit is in was super cheap and kind of like, you know, the other side of the tracks. Yeah, there were a bunch of vacant storefronts and empty abandoned houses and stuff. And now it's like booming. Six years later, it's a totally different place. Yeah. And, and so you see a lot of people moving into the area that affects supp- actual supply and demand. Right. This isn't false supply. This isn't a corporation saying act now supplies are limited it literally is supplies are limited Mm -hmm. now one of the things you might say is hey we're not in a great school district well what Mm -hmm. are my other options right Mm -hmm. are there homeschooling communities locally are there unschooling communities locally can you homeschool your children yourself i don't know whether or not these options make sense for you Mm -hmm. but recognizing there isn't just one answer that i need a better school for my kid Mm -hmm and blaming the current school system that we have access to, Mm -hmm. there are other ways. Or here's another way to think about it. Yes, you regret being in this house right now. Now, if I regretted being in the house that I'm in, I'm probably going to find a way to get out of it. Unless I really, really like the house and I just hate the school district. Mm -hmm. Well, then I have a decision. Do I pay a little bit more, well, a lot more in many cases to send my kid to a private school, right? Mm -hmm. Do I pay more time to homeschool mm. my children, mm. right? And so there are different trade-offs here, and that that's that's what we're thinking about. So yes, buying a house is one of the biggest decisions we have to make in our lives. We better be intentional with that because, A, it's the only thing I'm willing to go into debt for, period. And even then, if I had the cash to pay for a house, mm-hmm. meaning I could afford it, mm-hmm. then I would do that as opposed to getting a mortgage, right? Yeah. And so- I think we want to be really intentional with every aspect of buying the house. And part of that is, what is the school district I'm in? Right. Because That's, if yeah. I'm going to be turned off by the school district or the police in my neighborhood or the neighbors, what if I have terrible neighbors? Right. Did you get to know your neighbors beforehand? Mm-hmm. Because if not, it could be a total disaster for you. Being intentional leads to fewer regrets. Yeah. I had to learn my lesson the hard way when it came to buying my place in Dayton, Ohio. Um, yeah, it was a, I regretted it after the first six months of owning that place. I'm like, oh crap, like what have I done? And then, you know, I had to sell it for less than what I bought it for. I mean, it was a freaking nightmare, but I will tell you because of that regret, because of that mistake, uh, you know, um, you know, if I was to buy another home, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it with very good information and very intentional. Mm -hmm. And so you can learn from Ryan's mistake, my mistake, Laura's mistake. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you are considering buying a home or even moving to a new neighborhood, mm-hmm. what are the questions I can ask? Can I talk to my neighbors? Isn't it worth talking to your neighbors? Getting a, a home inspection, a mold inspection, all these things that 
we often neglect doing mm-hmm. because we want to hurry up and just get things right. Mm-hmm. Well, just hurrying up and getting things right often makes many things wrong for us. Mm. Not morally wrong. Yeah. But wrong in the sense that, oh, I don't feel great about this purchase. I'll, one, one lesson I'll, I'll tell you from this, from for me buying my place in Dayton. If any realtor or uh, uh, um, car salesman, whatever you're buying, if they tell you that you need to make a decision now because someone else is looking at it, let it go. Because that salesman is not looking out for your best interest. Mm. They're trying to pressure you into selling. Yeah, and you're and, and, will- and it, it might be true. It might be true. Like especially now with the housing market, I guarantee you, like you're probably getting told that. But if that's like the if if, that, if they're pushing you with that reason, like there's a, that's a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, the if it's a hundred percent true, mm-hmm. but we still make a hasty decision. Yes. We will, there's a great chance that we will regret it. Mm-hmm. Is he who hesitates is lost, but look before you leap. Mm-hmm. Both of those things can be true. You don't want to unnecessarily hesitate. You don't want to drag your feet. You've looked at, yeah, I went and talked to the neighbors. I did the mold inspection. I, I, um, checked the school district. I talked to one of the teachers. I did X, Y, and Z. I did these 12 things, right? But I think I'll wait a little bit longer. Well, mm. why? I don't know. I just want to see what it feels. Okay, you don't have a specific reason. Mm-hmm. That's also not being intentional. Right. But you're being indecisive. That's not making the decision. Now you can make the decision to walk away. And your willingness to walk away, especially in these moments of of impulse mm-hmm. where these salespeople or corporations are trying to make you feel as though you're missing out, throwing your hands up saying, Well, I'm willing to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. Now you've just retained all the power in the transaction. Yeah. They don't have that power over you. Yep. Angel has a regret for us. I recently bought a new car, but since I mostly travel in town, I soon realized that $700 car payments plus insurance was just ridiculous. And it cost more than my mortgage. I sold it and got a used vehicle that's fully paid for. With gas prices rising, I'm relieved to no longer have that monthly payment. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. The car payments can get out of control real quick. And like we were talking about earlier, you can justify yourself into purchasing anything. Oh, well, um, this is the car that I use to go to work. It has to be, I got to be comfortable. I mean, you know, I spend more time in my car than I do uh, at my house or whatever it is. What um, makes that $700 a month car better than the paid off car for you? 100%. Let's name the, the okay. It has Bluetooth. It has heated seats, heated seats, and it has a really sick spoiler. <laughs> and so I'm willing to pay $700 a month. By mm-hmm. the way, the average car payment now is 83 months. So I'm willing to spend $700 a month for heated seats, Bluetooth, and a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. That's really what you want to pay $700 a month for? Mm-hmm. Of course not. Yeah. And so this isn't a judgment of anyone who has a car payment. It's an understanding that quite often we are tricked by car dealerships, by corporations, by financing into buying something we can't afford. We're paying a bunch of money for something that isn't adding the commiserate value to our lives. Mm. In fact, it's extracting the value because now I have to pay $700 a month to pay for the car that takes me to work so I can earn the $700 a month to pay for the car that takes me to work. It's like, well, wait a minute. Mm. If I didn't have this car payment, 
maybe I wouldn't be tethered to the income the same way I am now. Mm -hmm. And what are the other things that if I untethered from the credit card debt, from the student loan debt, from the oversized house or oversized apartment, if I untethered from these debts, from these monthly payments, would I get back a piece of my freedom? And because then I could still go to the same job but I wouldn't be forced to be there. Yeah. I could get to be there. I could enjoy being there and I could earn money, but no longer am I being used in order to pay for a bunch of things that aren't actually adding value to my life in the first place. We have another regret here from Christine. I regret getting Botox. It wears off so quickly and it wasn't worth it. Once I noticed, no one actually cares how you look. I got Botox in my taint, <laughs> and it was... Taint tox? <laughs> no! <laughs> no I, I inappropriate. Just, oh, it was totally appropriate. <laughs> this is Patreon, baby. <laughs> we talk about taint on Patreon. That's right. Not talking about In taint. live streaming. It's the taint cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, here's the thing about Botox. Botox <sighs> is... is um, there are actual... I mean, there are medical reasons to use Botox. So mm -hmm. that's that's one. So it's not that Botox is is bad across the board. It just didn't give Christine the result that she had hoped for. She was hoping for one thing. Mm -hmm. And she maybe got it for a day or two and it quickly wore off and you realize how mm -hmm. expensive it is. And you also realize that, yeah, you know what? People don't really care. People don't even notice it. Mm. They don't notice my forehead doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was uh, I was reading this article about plastic surgery and Botox. And it's funny because a lot of the, I don't know how else to say it, the dysmorphia that like that stuff causes. Mm -hmm. The reason why it, it gets to the dysmorphia phase is because people, when they get a little work done, they themselves, they don't see it. Like, they don't see any difference. Oh, because they, especially they live with it for a few days, it becomes regular, commonplace. Yeah, right. So, like, they go and get more and more and more and more. Um, yeah. So, it's, a, yeah, that's, I haven't resorted to Botox yet. I used to think about getting plastic surgery on my scars on my forehead because I got made fun of so often, like, as a kid for my, for the scars on my forehead. This one girl told me she wouldn't date me because of the scars on my forehead. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah. But now I, like, but now they're sexy. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, oh, it kind of makes me me. Like, yeah. I like me. <laughs> You're rugged because of it, right? And yeah, so, sure. like, it, it's fascinating. That, and that's fine. That's her right. She doesn't mm -hmm. have to be attracted to scars, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not even to shame her. She can have preferences, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she might That's say, absolutely true. Yeah. I, I, think I don't it's because there's no guys. <laughs> I, need, I need symmetry with my scars. So, like, I need to get one over here. I'll help you, you know, out after the podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate I'll you. I'll smack you in the forehead. Thanks, best friend. <laughs> Keep podcast Sean's name out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will. Yeah, the the Botox thing is fascinating because it, yeah, it does wear off. But on a long mm. enough timeline, it all wears off, people. Mm. And so every purchase is a temporary purchase. I wouldn't think of anything as permanent. Mm -hmm. You can think of things as timeless, perhaps, as, as in the last an entire lifetime. But uh, even then, that's not a great thing. You can buy something and hold on to it, cling to it for your entire lifetime, but it doesn't mean you get value from it. Yeah. And so the question that you ask whether you're buying a new waffle iron or you're buying Botox is, 
Will this add value to my life? If so, why? How? In what ways does this add value to my life? Is this the best use of this money? Or can I use it to fund curriculum for high school kids who to get them out of debt? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Ginger has a regret for us. We bought an overpriced macaw without doing enough research to figure out if it was a good fit for our family. Turns out it isn't. And now finding another family to take her has not been easy. I'd say this is even worse than trying to get rid of a thing that can simply be thrown in the trash. Now I carry the regret from the purchase and the worry of rehoming her to someone that will take good care of her. What is a macaw? Is it it's bird? a bird. Yeah. It's a bird. I was just going to tell her to throw it out, but now she says she can't throw it out. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, well, uh, yeah. Dude, how do you, yeah, what do you do in that situation? You do have to find it in another home. You can't take it to a um, shelter. Shelters don't take birds. I, don't, I mean, I think buying a bird in general, like personally, I think about buying a bird and all I can think about is all the negative. They're like, we didn't realize the negative things. Like all I can think of are negative <laughs> things if I bought a bird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I feel that way about any pet. Mm. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. Personally. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. This is a preference thing. And and, and here's what I'll say. Like even with a dog, I, I understand like when we had Dr. Karen Becker on, we had uh, Rodney Habib on, we did the Simple Pets episode with them. And I understand pet ownership and the love and the camaraderie and the uh, electron exchange we were talking about yesterday. Um, anyway, I I recognize that, but then I, I just, there are, I see the tremendous downsides of it for me that we don't think about because Whenever we go to make a purchase, whether mm-hmm. it is a pet, a new car, mm-hmm. a pair of pants, mm-hmm. we think only of the idealistic upsides. My dream home is my dream home until the water heater goes out. Right. Until there's $3,000 worth of damage in the basement because of a flood. Yeah. Or 30000 or $100,000 worth of damage. Yeah. And so... We don't think about the potential downsides or we sweep them under the rug because, oh, the upsides seem so promising. And so, mm. yeah, I'm sure there were some upsides for this bird. Now, I don't know what to do here, and they're not asking us what to do, but I, what, here's what I can tell you is maybe if it was this difficult to get rid of material possessions, we'd be a lot more intentional about the possessions we brought into our lives mm-hmm. as well. Mm. You know, Juliet Shore in our first documentary, she said, that the problem isn't that we're too materialist. The problem is that we aren't materialist enough. We don't care enough about our things. So we just haphazardly bring in excess. We bring in the junk. We bring in nonsense. We bring in the barriers. We bring in the things that actually get in the way of our relationships, of our careers, of our meaningful experiences. We bring in all of these things Mm -hmm. because we're not intentional. Mm. People tend to be more intentional with pets. Certainly not always. We've all known someone who's bought the dog and then didn't train it or bought the cat and then quickly had to get rid of it a month later or Mm, whatever, right? And that just means we weren't intentional with that purchase. right? And so recognizing that buying a dog means you Mm -hmm. might have to be with that dog for the next 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dude, um, yeah. Anytime you're taking on a life... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You've got to be very deliberate with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I, I. It made me think about in high school. Like I was begging my dad for a dog, and freshman year he brings home some random dog. And it's funny because w- what I didn't realize when he brought the dog home, I'm like I didn't even get an opportunity to pick it out. Like he just saw an opportunity. Hey, my son wants a dog. Here's a dog. 
And uh, yeah, it was we we got rid of it like six months later. Oh wow! Because it was yeah, it was not. I did not take good care of it. We did find a home um, for it that they took excellent excellent care of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, but basically they had a farm that he could run. It was an actual farm though. It wasn't <laughs> a farm. It was it was yeah right. And uh, it was. Our dad's going to go out for the evening? Yeah. Uh, no, it was... We're going to take a drive? Yeah, no, it was... They, like, lived oh. out yeah, out in Morrow. They had it. But uh, I, I guess I'm wondering if there's a national... Or, is there, if, or if there's a way to nationally put this bird up for adoption. Because I'm really trying to think of, like, something they could try to find this bird a good home. Mm. Like, is there, is there a website or something where, like, an exotic pets shelter oh, website? Question. Like, I don't know. I'm Let us know, patrons, in the comments below. Yeah. And also... By the way, before we get to the end of this, we got a couple more I want to talk to you about real quick. Let us know about your regrets in the comments because yeah. I'd lo- love to see some more. If it's something we haven't talked about yet, I'd love to hear your your regrets, mainly because your regrets make me feel better about myself. <laughs> I'm like, thank God I didn't get him a call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I do have a lot of um, sympathy for Ginger, man. That's, that's yeah. I have a sympathy so, for all Gingers. Yes. Wait a minute. Someone said a wedding dress, but I don't see it here. That Jessica. was Jessica. Was it? Yeah. Yes. Where? Um, second page. Oh, Jesse, right? No, Jessica. Jessica. Very oh. last one. Ah, let's do let's do Jessica's then. My wedding dress was a huge regret. I literally cried the night I bought it because I knew it wasn't for me, but the designer was there and fitted me herself, and I just felt so pressured. I'm still married and happy, but I would have been just as happily married without that stupid expensive move. I feel the same thing about my wedding dress. <laughs> well, you look so nice on you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my... Um, so Bex and I never had a wedding. So she doesn't have a wedding dress. But that's okay because my first marriage, Carrie had two wedding dresses. She bought one and she was she had it for like a year in advance. And then she realized she didn't really like it that much. Mm. And so she decided like to get a second wedding dress. And that's how you solve the wedding dress problem. You buy two and that makes you happy. (laughs) (laughs) And we lived happily ever after. Oh my goodness. That's, uh, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. The funny thing is, I don't think she regretted the second one. She regretted the first one. And so what's the lesson here? She, she bought a cheap one the first time around Uh... to try to save some money. And the second one wasn't even that much more expensive. It was kind of like what Jordan was talking about earlier, where it was like, it, it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks more. Yeah. But it was the thing that she felt confident in. Which, mm. And so it was, the question is, like, if you don't feel confident in that first one, don't react to the pressure. Mm-hmm. And so the good news is here, you can let go of the regret, Jessica, because you've learned the lesson here. Mm-hmm. Next time you get married... Wait a minute. <laughs> Go dressless. No, you know, I'm glad we're bringing this up with Jessica because there's probably someone out there who's getting married and they're listening to this and they're pressuring themselves over the wedding dress. I think it's weird that a man can rent a tux that how who knows how many men have gotten married <laughs> in that tux. Yes. But when a woman when a woman gets married, she has to like purchase a wedding dress instead of renting a wedding dress. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with renting a wedding dress that another another woman has gotten married in. Also, oh dude, I have I'm, I have such an entrepreneurial mind. Like you know, just thinking about the international <laughs> pet uh, shelter that uh, with exotic pet shelter. And anyway, 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like there could be a whole business predicated upon renting out wedding dresses and you could just like tailor them a little bit here and there to make them a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I think that ultimately no one cares about the wedding dress the bride is wearing. Yeah. I mean, if it looks obscene or like you came in with a, a neon green dress, people are going to be like, although I've seen women get married. Off. Yeah. I've seen women get married in camo. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so uh, the the question is, you know, this whole co- wedding industrial complex, which is a real thing, is predatory and it preys on women's desires to be unique, to be special, to be loved. And we commodify all of these things. Mm-hmm. But you're already unique. You're already special. You're already loved. Mm. That's why this is happening. This is a celebration. And it doesn't matter what dress you wear. You can celebrate. Yeah. With or without the dress. Amen. We have a regret here from Jennifer. Paper planners always make me kick myself. I spend hundreds and hundreds on different planners trying to find the right one when I know Google Calendar will be my go-to every time. Oh, this is a... This is a quick fix problem. This is one of those things where it's like, man, I've I've paid for financial courses. I've bought all the financial books. I've bought all the financial labs, but I still can't save any money. <laughs> <laughs> this is a you can't buy something to fix your 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 organization problem. Like you have to be organized. Um, I guarantee you, Jennifer, I get, if I gave you a million dollars that you could not spend on organizers at all <laughs> and gave you a, a yellow note legal pad and be like, here, use this to figure out your schedule. You would figure it out. Just think how many Franklin planners she could buy with a million dollars, Ryan. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, she'd be set for life. That's right. I think the problem is you don't have enough planners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just keep, <laughs> keep buying a few more. You're going to find it. Oh, all right, Jennifer, we're not trying to make fun of you. No, no, not at all. I, I, I identify with this because here's the thing. Yeah. I... I gave up on like journaling and notebooks and all this other mm. stuff just a few years ago. Yeah. And as a writer, a person who has published five books, written more than that, and I write regularly, but writing uh, on a notebook or a planner, it just does not work for me. Yeah. You know, it does work. I can write on blank piece of paper. So if I do need to write and get the kinesthetic feeling of writing down, mm-hmm. I got blank paper. Yeah. There's blank white sheets of paper. I do it all the time. Yeah. But I have a system that works for me. Alabama and I were just talking about this yesterday. She she and Jess both use Asana as an organization tool online. I've tried to use Asana in the past. In fact, when we first started Asymmetrical Press, our publishing company, we were using it with Colin for a while yeah. and keeping track of the interns and our tasks and all these other things we had to keep track of. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. Yeah. I felt forced to use it. I didn't feel compelled to use it. Right. I didn't feel like I flowed toward using that particular system. However, here's what I can tell you about Jessica, social Jess, who is our most organized person on the team. Kills it with that. She, at one point, was probably the least organized person on the team. Mm. And then she found the tool that worked best for her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a prescription. It wasn't, hey, Jess, you really need to start using a Franklin planner, or you really need to start using Asana, or Google Calendar, mm-hmm. or Apple Notes, or whatever system was there. It didn't, I didn't hand her a system and say, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. It was about, 
hey, we need you to be more organized. Let me explain why. Here's what we need to accomplish. Here's what we're missing out on right now. Let's find the tool that is going to help you the most. And that could be a pen and a piece of paper. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. And then what does this lack? What do you truly need beyond this? For me, the way I stay organized probably wouldn't work for Jess. It seems chaotic. Mm-hmm. I use Apple Notes. I use Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. And I use Gmail. Those three things keep me hyper-organized. 100%. Anytime I have to add an extra system, I start to feel disorganized because it feels chaotic to me. Yeah. But when I marry those three things, I'm able to stay perfectly organized Mm -hmm. using a system that I've set up that may or may not work for you. Mm. You have to understand there is not a ready-made system that works for you Mm -hmm. because you think differently from other people. And if you don't feel compelled to use that planner, Mm -hmm. you now feel as though you have to use it. And then your planner becomes a paper prison. Dude, yeah, I use everything you just said. And then my alarm clock, like the night before, I'll look at what I have to do the next day. And I'm like, oh, I got to make this phone call at 1 p.m. If I just say like, okay, 1 p.m. tomorrow, I'll remember. Ain't going to work. I could like, I'll set an alarm for like 12.55 p.m. the next day to like help help me remember. But uh, but yeah, I mean, if you have a smartphone, you have the tools you need, really. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need a smartphone even to stay organized. That's we, true. Somehow we're able to stay organized for... Tens of thousands of years mm-hmm. without smartphones. Yeah, Jess has actually showed me her system. Uh-huh. And it, it, it is one of those things where it clicks with her really well, and that's awesome. But like when I was looking at it, I'm like, I have no idea how you how this clicks with you. Right. Yeah. I felt that way too. But then also if I were to say, well, no, you shouldn't do that. You should, you right. should do this. I can show you how I do it. And I just talked about how I do it basically. Right. But I've talked in the past. I have a today list. Mm-hmm. I have a someday list. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get the thing done today... It makes it my someday list. I go on my someday list about once a month and I end up just deleting a bunch of things deleting stuff. I don't yeah. want to do Yeah, because, oh, these seem burdensome. This seems like chaos. Yeah. You know what would be freeing if I just deleted this? Yeah. Oh, you know what? This is something I want to get to. In fact, I have time tomorrow, so I'm going to put it on my today list tomorrow when I get there. And so if I have time next Wednesday, oh, it's going to make it to my today list. If not, it stays on my someday list mm. until I feel either compelled to move it to today or I feel compelled to delete it. And I'm deleting so many future tasks. Mm. And in the process, I'm avoiding so many future regrets. Yeah, man. Let's do one more. We have uh, a save the best for last. This is from Anne. This is so good. I hate to say it, but the bag you guys recommended hurt my shoulder from carrying all my things on one side. I preferred my old hard case carry-on. Delete her Patreon account immediately. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, we're, we're finishing up this Maximal episode today. We're about two hours in at this point. Yeah. And I wanted to save this regret for last. We've been talking about buyer's remorse. We've been talking about the things that we regret buying. We talk about the things we regret doing, the things we regret not doing. Mm-hmm. We've been talking to our team here about their consumer regrets. We've talked to our audience about their consumer regrets. And Anne is finishing it off with something. And I wanted to to show that even Ryan and I are not immune to accidentally creating regret in someone's life. Yeah, I will say that we set you with the right expectation up yes. front, Anne. Uh, the way that we... So let me give some context here. 2014, Ryan and I went on the road. We owned a bag. It was 
uh, made by a guy named Malcolm Fontier. He mm-hmm. made 300 of them in the world. There were 300 in the world. Yeah, it was an art experiment that he did. Yeah, yeah. beautiful bag. Awesome. Uh, he's a super talented artist. He made 300 of them. Me, Ryan, and Colin Wright had three of them. So we owned 1% of the bags in the world. Yes. And when we were on tour, we had three of them in our trunk. We were driving around in Ryan's Toyota Corolla. And every time we'd get up, open the trunk, Matt Diavella would see like, oh, we have the same bag over and over. And in fact, the bag made it accidentally into our film, mm-hmm. Minimalism. We didn't intend to. We just happened to be in a hotel. And people started emailing and saying, where did you get that bag? And at first, I was really frustrated because I was like, oh, that's the that's the lesson you got out of this film about minimalism. Yeah. We were like apologizing. Yeah. I want to buy this bag. Right. Sorry we did that to you. Yeah. <laughs> and and what I realized, like, well, no, I actually get immense value from this bag. Mm-hmm. And people were actually even reaching out somehow to Malcolm. I don't know how, but they figured out that he was the manufacturer of the bag. He wasn't making any more. And so a few years ago, we partnered up to make a few thousand of these bags. Yeah, Malcolm Candos, he's like, hey. Yeah. Do you want get- to partner up? Yeah. We're getting so many requests. And I'm like, we're getting a bunch of requests, too. And I said, but we don't want to really sell a physical good. So thanks, but no thanks. Mm -hmm. And he came back to us again. Eventually, we said, yeah, you know what? We think this is something that adds immense value to Ryan's life, to Mm -hmm. my life. And yet, I don't want to talk people into buying the bag. So we said, yes, we'll help you redesign the bag. Lessons we've learned from the bag. And if we do sell it, here's how I want to sell it. Hey, you probably don't need another bag. Mm-hmm. So please, please don't feel compelled to purchase this one. Mm-hmm. This is not reverse psychology. I'm not trying to trick you into buying the bag. I'm being honest. What I'm saying is you already have a bag. It already adds value to your life. You probably don't need another one. Yes, you're not- complete without this bag. We promise. And yeah, that's how we said it early yeah. on. Yeah. And what I'll t- tell you is if you do need a bag, this is a bag that added value to my life. It added value to Ryan's life. But it may not add value to yours. Mm -hmm. And by setting that expectation, hopefully enough people who did buy it, they thought intentionally about buying the bag. But of course, sometimes we buy something and it just there's an unforeseen thing that happens. Yeah. With Anne, man, her the bag hurt her shoulder because she is used to rolling around luggage. I hate yes. roller luggage, mm-hmm. and so I don't have it personally. Yeah. But I can understand why some people would get value from roller luggage. Mm-hmm. And so just because I get immense value from the bag, I wanted to set an expectation. Ryan wanted to set that expectation that you probably don't need a, another bag, so please don't feel compelled to buy this one. Yes, and I felt the same way, actually. When I was using that bag after a year or two, it was hurting my shoulder. Uh, so Malcolm, he came out with a backpack version of the bag. And I gave that one away to someone who uses it and really enjoys it. And I got the backpack version because that works better for me. So, and I feel you, it hurt my shoulder too. It, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. And it works great for me still. Mm-hmm. I, I still yeah. use the same bag I've been using. And the nice thing about it is, it's not too big for me, but for some people, I think the other complaint could be, hey, there's not enough space in here. I feel like I need to pack more stuff when I go on trips. And yet that would actually be a downside for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I, um, the, the one story I've told before, but I think I can make it succinct here is I got stuck in an Uber on my way to the airport. I was on the way to LAX and I, um, all the, cars on Sepulveda Boulevard were backed up. Yeah. And I was waiting there five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes go by. The cars aren't moving. Wow. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to miss my plane. 
I'm like, hey, man, you just, I'm going to have to get out here. And I was three miles from the airport. <laughs> I've never run three miles in my life. Um, and so I put my bag on. Yeah. And I just run to the airport. And I start seeing other people as I'm getting out. They're getting out of their Ubers as well. And they're pulling out this giant roller luggage, three or four roller bags. Yeah. And they're trying to like hobble to the airport. Yeah. And I'm like, they are all going to be late. And I made it simply because I was traveling lightly. Mm. And that is whether I'm traveling for four days mm. or four months, I pack the same amount of stuff. I have the same routine down. So I don't weigh myself down yeah. in the process. I bring about five days worth of clothes. That's that's kind of the sweet spot. Because I'll find like Mariah does the same thing. We'll find washer and dryer, do laundry on the road. But like. I can't tell you how many times Mariah and I have been saved from not having to check a bag. Like, not only can you arrive a little later because you don't have to wait in line to check a bag, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there were, like there was a flight transfer that that uh, be, there was a delay. And long story short, the the gal at the ticket counter was like, "Well, you know, I could put you on this flight, but any of your checked luggage, like it's it might get lost." And I'm like, "We don't have any checked luggage." She was like, "Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you can get on here, no problem." Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. that's so. So what? So what's the lesson here from from Anne with this? The lesson is, um, the lesson sometimes is sometimes you're gonna buy something and it's not gonna work out, and it's not gonna work out, and that's okay. Yeah, and and so if you felt compelled to buy it by someone because you were tricked into buying a thing, mm-hmm. then quite often we're like, oh, I, I feel tricked. In this case, it's not that she felt tricked. She just felt like, hey, I was hoping this thing would add value to my life mm-hmm. and it didn't. Yeah, There was an unforeseen consequence mm-hmm. and that's okay. I mean, I like the bag. It has got these two components. We, one side, I put like my underwear on my shirts. The other side is filled with fruit roll-ups. <laughs> <laughs> That's why with Malcolm Fontier's bag, there is a fruit roll-up compartment. <laughs> Ryan, you want to give him a discount code? <laughs> no. We we would yeah, and that that's the thing. Like we uh, we partnered with him a few years ago. I think there's still some of those bags available. I'm not going to give you a link if you want to figure it out. You can figure it out on your own. But probably buy a used one, really. Yeah, and you probably don't need one. Yeah, that's because, true. Because uh, you already have a bag, mm-hmm. and if you are somehow bagless in this world and you desperately need a bag, I'm sure you can find one. This one might be right for you, or a piece of luggage with rollers might be right for you as well. It's up to you to decide what is most appropriate for your life. Did you see the uh, the guy who invented the roller bag that's electric and the handle comes up and you can sit on it and ride it around the airport? <laughs> How wow. crazy is that? And what, well, what's crazy about that is you're not allowed to bring like, batteries. Yeah, big lithium-ion batteries on the plane. So... Um, it doesn't work. Right. Anyway. Yeah. But you could bring it to like a skate park. Yes, you could. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think you just invented a new Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more time. Uh, we are trying to bring. No, forget that. We're not trying. We're going to bring. Mm-hmm. We're going to teach every middle school and high school kid in Dayton, Ohio, about finan- personal finance. Yes. About personal responsibility, about not going into debt, setting them up with a debt-free life if it goes well in Dayton. When it goes well in Dayton, we'll expand mm. to other cities as well. We mm. can really use your contribution. Tw- uh, 25 bucks provides the curriculum for one student. So if you got 25 bucks and you want to help one kid, set them up for life for $25. Come on. Amen. How, 
How beautiful is that? How easy is that? Mm. Theminimalists.com slash education. 45 bucks will provide the curriculum for one high school student. You got 70 bucks. That's one middle school student, one high school student. Ryan and I together, we're both uh, donating for the first 100 students. So we're going to help 100 students ourselves. But together, we're going to help an entire city that struggles with a lot of financial problems. We're going to help them out of those financial problems. We're going to set their future up now so they're not borrowing from their future selves when they turn 18. Amen. Theminimalists.com slash education. If you want to see all the details and if you want to get involved. Patrons, thank you so much for your time. Heck yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, patrons. Thanks, live streamers. Love people. Use things. We'll see you soon. See you. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it.